rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I'm Aldo, along with Kevin and Mitch. No Zoe this week, some migraine issues, but I uh, hope he gets well. Got uh, got the night off. It's all right. Um, sports it's going to be my Brock Purdy game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brock is, out. This is where we step up. We're going to see, yeah, we're, we're going to see who's going to be the Brock Purdy of the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. Uh, hopefully it is you, Mitch. Hopefully Probably it is you. not. Odds are probably not. But you sure are pretty. Sorry. <laughs> Pinwheels and Ivy Podcast, as you know, is brought to you by Sports Mockery. Visit sportsmockery.com, download the app, Sports Mockery, and uh, you can read up on all the latest stories. A lot of stuff uh, happening this week, even even in a, what normally is kind of a dead January for baseball. Still some baseball rumors, and unfortunately a pretty nasty case that we'll get into in a little bit. Also brought to you by Uncle Bud's. Visit them at 9700 South Central Avenue in Oak Lawn. Uncle Bud's. Zoe Spot. Maybe you can maybe you can catch him there and get his autograph one day. Uh, <laughs> so, for a NASCAR race sometime soon. That's right. Is that is that, is that where Zoe's gonna do it? All six hours? I would imagine. Well, he's not doing the Coca-Cola 600 anymore. <sighs> a little disappointing. But we'll we'll find him one and he'll be there. You get his autograph, watch an NASCAR. I mean, we have to hold we have to hold ourselves accountable here. I we need to we need to revisit that. We'll revisit that when uh... we can actually. Well, probably, doing we, it. we should rule in absentia actually tonight. We um, <laughs> rule in absentia. You know what? I think we just all take a road trip to Vegas and we'll just watch it live. I mean, Ooh. they got two races in Vegas. They got a playoff race and then a regular one in the spring. So we'll, we'll all take a trip out to see the Reverend K. Fids, and we'll force Zoe to watch NASCAR race. Spring one's the one they always give us free tickets as teachers too. Like, so, like, I still need to see it though. It's like a Zoe sober watching NASCAR for. We'll all get hammered. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, we'll all drink Bush. Just... You'll really rub it in while Kevin Harvey. <laughs> It'll be a good we'll time. Get blackout drunk on Bush. I'm Bush. That's not possible. That's not, just... that's not possible. It's just. Well, I mean, we're we're gonna not... we're gonna be going to the bathroom a lot. It's gonna be a lot of liquid, but a lot of water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Zoe's just sitting there drinking actual water. Kevin Harvick's yeah. last year too. The the famous Bush number four car. Ooh, famous yeah, okay. Car. Sorry, I know well, it's not NASCAR many times. We got more important stuff to get into. No, now we really do need to uh, get Zoe out there sober watching watching Kevin Harvick on his last. Uh, yeah, yeah, fast half. But uh, yes, as as Mitch said, uh, much more important things to talk about. Obviously, we all know the news about MLB's investigation on Mike Clevenger, domestic violence allegations. Uh, 
We'll start off with Zoe sent us a video to play. He obviously wanted to get his thoughts out here, uh, even though he's not able to join us live tonight. But uh, we'll start off with Zoe's thoughts on Clevenger, the White Sox, just his initial thoughts here, and then we'll we'll go off of that. So here's Zoe. What's up, everybody? It's your guy, Zoe. Again, I'm really sorry I couldn't be there tonight. Just wasn't in the cards. But two things I wanted to say on the show that I feel like are really important to address right now, kind of time relevant. One, I was going to wear this awesome uh, bourbon bum shirt I got from uh, the the guys over there. Uh, fantastic show. Good dudes. Got to meet some of them at the 108. Um, there you go. That's like a better review. 108 event. Really good guys. Just kind of really dove into their show. So show love to other podcasters, man. Leave them a like, rating, review. You should be subscribing to this show because don't forget we have the contest, but I'm sure Aldo and them are going to cover that tonight. The other thing I got to just put my two cents in here is the the, the Mike Clevenger stuff. Um, extremely disappointing. It's very disappointing that the White Sox have once again put the fans in this. It's not even like the situation. It's just a shitty feeling. And I mean, obviously, that's a minor detail to the bigger story, which is the the abuse of women, the treatment of his newborn and all this other stuff is just disgusting. I understand we live in this day and age where, you know, everybody wants to say, well, let's wait till the courts find out and all this stuff, the pictures, the, the stories, the multiple victims, all that stuff. That's I'm good with that. I mean, release the guy. And if found innocent or whatever down the line, address it then. But right now the evidence is pretty overwhelming. I mean, Dude threw dip spit at his newborn. You want that guy rocking your team's uniform? That's just shit. And then coming back to the White Sox, we dealt with this shit with the DUI with Tony. We've dealt with some other things, the Omar Vizcal, and now this shit. Like, just be fucking better, man. Just be better. It, it's tough, dude. It really is. And... It, it, it's going to start some very hard conversations about, you know, White Sox phantoms. I've already seen some pretty stupid shit being said on Twitter. And I think Sox Machine, I think CHGO Chicago, I think a lot of the other guys that have already done their shows about it have done a really great job talking about it. I have full confidence that Aldo and Mitch and Fids are going to do a great job tonight. Um, but yeah, I just needed to say that, you know, doing this show every week with you guys is fun first off i have a blast i get to hang out with my friends and talk about sports but it's also a little therapeutic i get to talk about the shit that fucking i look at every day so uh be good to each other be good to these guys be nice to them in the comments fucking subscribe goddamn please now and uh i'll be good i'll see you guys next week like Zoe said, subscribe to us on YouTube, Pinwheels and Ivy Podcast. If we get to a thousand subscribers by opening day, we're gonna hook, we're gonna hook up uh, a White Sox fan with two tickets behind their dugout. So subscribe, tell your friends, get to that goal. Huge ticket giveaway. Uh, so we'll go over to you, Mitch, as the resident White Sox fan tonight. Uh, just, uh, I guess just overall thoughts, anything, anything I want to add to what Zoe said on the Clevenger situation, White Sox. I know Kevin, we can get into like the, them not being, uh, made aware and we'll, we'll get into that too. So Mitch. Yeah. I mean, 
first, I mean, Zoe, Zoe hit it on the head. It's the evidence is kind of low, and it is alleged. So we'll see where that goes. The investigation will do its thing. The the big takeaway I had from it, besides of the horrible allegations there, and like that speaks for itself. Throwing dips bit on the newborn, hitting a woman, and it's happened multiple times. Was like, how, the, how did the White Sox not know? And I believe the fact that the White Sox didn't know. I believe they didn't know what happened when they signed him. That like the girlfriend came out and said, like I they, I was told the organization didn't know. The White Sox released a statement saying they didn't know. I believe they didn't know. The issue is how they didn't know. Because you take a job nowadays. I just got hired for a new job. They're doing background checks. They're scrubbing your social media. This is not the first time he's been accused of this. So, like, the average fan, obviously, you wouldn't know. Like, I'm not going back to social media posts from his ex-girlfriend back from, like, 2017. Well, the most average fans would know. If you're an organization and you're doing your due diligence, like, how do they not find this out? Because this is not the first time it's happened. These posts have been out for a while. That's a concerning thing. The, the average job, you're doing a good background check, you're scrubbing through, like, I don't know. And there's been red flags before. Like he was one of the people that broke the COVID protocols and had an issue in the city that your team played. They was against your team when that whole thing happened. So I, there was a lot of red flags, I guess, to begin with. Uh, and, and there'd been information and out uh, of him being accused of similar stuff like this before. So, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of baffling how, how they didn't know. And they don't honestly, quite frankly, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Like usually you give it, you give a team the benefit of the doubt, but they've done nothing in the track where can prove it. Like with Tony LaRusso and the DUI. It's just, once again, they've lost all trust with the fan base. What, what's gone. I mean, the, the allegations are bad enough, but how, how do you, I mean, for an organization that has a bad track record as it is, this is a really bad look, especially when you're asking fans to trust you. That was full page. Like, oh, we're going to earn our trust back. That's you're off to the wrong start. So it, it's disappointing. Once again, for White Sox fans having to go through another thing. And obviously, and, and like so sad, it's, in the grand scheme of things, you know, who gives a shit about what White Sox means? But it's just like the organization continues to let us down. And here's another example of it with one of your two free agent signings you made, two big acquisitions, and the one you got to deal with all this crap. So, yep. And uh, so to start off, you know, in case uh, you don't know the finer details of, you know, the White Sox signed him early on. I think it was like one of the first, uh, you know, notable free agent signings of the offseason. Obviously, for the White Sox and even across the league, uh, I think it was like what an eight million dollar guaranteed for 2023, and then the option or the buyout for 2024 gives them like 12 million dollars. So, you know, this isn't like a nothing deal. We're talking about you know, north of uh, 10 million dollars guaranteed for Clevenger. Uh, in the original article that came out in The Athletic, it said that according to their source, you know, the White Sox were not made aware. Um, uh, I think also Vinny Duber later wrote on that, you know, I think he, on their show on CHGO for the White Sox, I think he was, he referenced uh, an agent uh, telling him, you know, agents aren't obliged to, you know, share any, any of that information either if there's an investigation going on. Uh, so I think, and, you know, the White Sox had their, that statement like that they weren't made aware and that, you know, obviously going forward until the investigation ends, that they're not going to comment. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Mitch and like, because even the in the Tony Larusa case, I think they they did admit they're like, yeah, no, we were made aware that he had the second DUI, but you know, we made the decision to you know bring him on because whatever, like whatever their uh, reasoning was back then, they were fine with it to move forward. And this, so like, I think Kevin, you were you were talking about it on Twitter with some people, like, like why would they, like, why would they lie right now? 
when they've admitted in the past before when something's come up. Like it would be a terrible look. So I'm with Mitch. I'm with you, Mitch. And like I think they're you know at least being as close to 100% honest as like oh they weren't made aware. But like you said, the issue is why weren't you aware? Also, the other thing I'd like to add. I, sorry to interrupt. Like their agent. What's also telling? He signed really early in the off season. Clevenger's agent, like you said, they're not just <clears throat> disclosed that they played them like a fucking fiddle. Because it looked like a great deal at the time. Like, oh, you know, bounce back contract and everything. But it all kind of makes sense circumstantially, like why he got off the board so soon. Because the White Sox were the dumb saps that came along to sign him right away. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, but it seemed because he wasn't coming off a great year. I don't think there would have been a ton of suitors for Mike Clevenger. And the White Sox signed him really early in the offseason because I think their agent knew, like, hey, it's probably the best offer that we're going to get. So. Yeah. And then obviously aside from the terrible allegations and this not being the first time that, uh, you know, I, th I think before there's nothing official because I don't think in the reporting that we've seen, there's been any mention of the previous uh, allegations or accusations towards Clevenger leading to an investigation uh, in years prior uh, before, uh, what was it? Because it started in last summer when he was with the Padres. Um so Kevin, and then you brought up how you know it is kind of, or it's it's kind of bullshit that you know the White Sox weren't made aware, uh, and I think we later learned that it is part of, you know, it's part of their policy between the MLB and MLB's player association that if there is an investigation, that the you know the league doesn't have to let a team know. So, just uh, so what do you got, Kevin, on Clevenger, the White Sox, the this entire situation? Well, first, I mean, first things, you know, before you even, before you even dig into that, you got to make sure that we're very clear on this, that we will believe, um, the accused, uh, the accuser, uh, we believe her first for first and foremost, like you, you never flippantly take somebody's accusations, um, <clears throat> like not serious. And so before anything else, uh, very clear that I believe her now with that said, I'm a walking skeptic. Um, I'm a skeptic when it comes to my faith. I'm a skeptic when it comes to anything um, uh, that I see because I believe something, but because I ask something a tough questions doesn't mean that I don't believe it. It actually means that I do believe it so much that it can handle that type of scrutiny. So real first, before I say anything, because whatever might come out of my mouth might sound incorrect. I'm, I just want to make sure I'm clear. I believe her first. Um, this is a very interesting situation because there have been, there's no police reports. There's no documentation. Uh, this is a social media post that was coincided timing wise with an article that was coming out in the athletic at the exact same time. Um, and uh, this happened something that happened last June. Uh, and the way you look at it, the San Diego Padres obviously were his employer at the time. And this investigation began last June and major league baseball has been conducting this investigation. Now, fast forward to all of this. Now uh, I'm not going to throw out anything about Clevenger I'm going to keep my opinion of Mike Clevenger to myself because I am going to wait until everything comes out. I, I believe everybody is entitled to a day in court, to their defense, whatever you want to say it. Doesn't mean I like them. I, I, everybody, everybody, even the biggest pieces of shit, especially the biggest pieces of shit, all still have that, uh, have the right to that. Now, public opinion? No, you're a douchebag. You're a douchebag. I can think you're a douchebag all day long. Um, so I look at this whole situation and there's two prongs to this. It's obviously the accusation and, and domestic violence in baseball as it exists. It's, it's, it seems like it's a frequent issue here with the game itself. So I'm again, like I said, I'm going to refrain with Clevenger until there's obviously the rest of the information continues to pour out because there's more information. There has to be, um, if they're going on social media posts and pictures, 
this isn't there's nothing that the major league baseball players association or the major league baseball can do to him other than you know <clears throat> i mean if there was more there, there was more at least paper trails when it came to the bauer situation which allowed major league baseball to act now Secondly, if you're not convicted, I'm going to make sure I'm very clear on this. If you're not convicted, it doesn't mean you're innocent. Okay. Um, I will use an example. Tony Accardo. If you're familiar with the Chicago outfit, you know who Tony Accardo is. He was the Chicago outfits boss of bosses for uh, the better part of four or five decades. Now, he's also the man they call Joe Batters. Why? Well, if you've seen The Untouchables, uh, Al Capone in the movie, Robert De Niro's character, beats a guy to death with a baseball bat at a meeting. Tony Accardo was... uh, Al Capone's bodyguard, he actually did do that. That's why they called him Joe Batters. He literally beat a guy to death with a baseball bat. We know that Tony Accardo ordered the deaths of many, many hundreds of people during his decades-long stint as the boss of bosses. That said, he never spent a single night in a jail cell his entire life. Does that mean he's innocent because he was never convicted? No. It means he got away with it. So let's be clear on that. Giving me the weak-ass excuse saying, well, he wasn't convicted of it means he's in. No, it just means he wasn't convicted of it. And we know that there's a lot of people, <clears throat> OJ, that have done things that were found not guilty when. So that's going to do on that. Now, the second part, the you know, where I really want to focus my ire at, because until I, you know, I, trust me, people that domestic violence, people that commit domestic violences are the biggest pieces of shit ever. Um, they are the lowest of the low. They're the weakest. They're, the, they're, the, they're lower than betas. They're weak. Uh, I mean, again, give me a padded room with an abuser and I'm going to be a happy dude. Um, so, um, but my big concern too is, and although you brought it up, is the fact that this investigation is ongoing. It's been going on for almost a year now. The Padres, I'm not sure. We haven't even talked about where the Padres aware of this. So there's a whole nother, you know, ball of wax there. Um, and so we're finding out that the White Sox didn't know, um, major league baseball, the collective bargaining agreement or whatever it is, whatever the, the, if it's a handshake or a wink, wink or a nudge, nudge, and all this information stays private and no one ever knows it's bullshit. This needs to change. There's no reason why a team that's about to invest millions of dollars in a player should not at least be aware that a player is under investigation. Being under investigation is not indicative of guilt. It means that they are in the process of gathering the information to prove whether or not this person is guilty or innocent. And, that is not something that a team that's about to, if, if you guys are looking for a job and you have a court case that's looming over your head and they do a background check, they, they know that you have a pending court case. They know that it exists. And the employer could say, hey, I'm going to wait to hire you until this thing settles. It, so we're going to give this a pause. That's in the normal world. I don't know why it doesn't apply to baseball. And I know the unions have some say in this, but this is where I look at. It's inconscionable that either the Padres couldn't, if they didn't know, or you know, the Major League Baseball as a whole, you know, or the agent didn't at least say, hey, by the way, just so you know, this is kind of in the line right now. It it might be it, to us, you know, they're going to say it's nothing. Don't worry about it. it. It's obviously nothing. To, it's something to completely worry about. But that's the big problem that I have is that this is it's, it's almost like a protective shield when this is something that should at least be in, in, in the dealings of Major League Baseball and these million dollar contracts, something that is talked about. Now, Mitch, I, I you know, I know you talked about, you know, do you do diligence and all that stuff? I'm going to say this about the White Sox. There's nothing to find in a paper trail. There's no paper trail. There's posts from ex-girl. There's a post from an ex-girlfriend saying that he was emotionally abusive, and then there was this post. There aren't. There's never been a. There's never been a police report filed, as far as we know. There's never been documentation. I think there was. Well, not only someone said that there was, but there's nothing that's popped up. And and if the White Sox the background check, it would have popped up. Well, Uh, even beyond the social media thing, even there was no evidence. 
But I know, but I'm just saying, let me just finish. Oh, yeah, you're asking the White Sox to find a needle that they don't know exists in dozens and dozens of haystacks that they don't even know which haystack to look in. It's, a, it's an exceptionally uh, unfair, to I think, to the White Sox to assume that somehow they're supposed to go back and no, interview no, no. every single ex-girlfriend and hookup that these guys have ever had in their life. That's, I don't think that's, uh, okay, no, 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 that's a fair point. What I, my, my, what I would counter with, though, that is fair. But I think you lost the benefit of the doubt with the tone of the roost thing, for one. Number two is, Lawrence Holmes made a great point today on 670 The Score. He was saying for a while he was pounding the table to get Omar Varskel as the manager. Then he had a couple sources contact him saying like, hey, I'd cut that out. He will not be their manager based on like some of the stuff he'd been doing. And the white he from what he was saying that he knew about that before the White Sox even did. So according Lord uh, uh, Holmes, he's got better sources than the White Sox do because apparently like they, they weren't being told the same thing. So it's kind of similar with this, where if a radio personnel in Chicago is getting information before the organization, like what the hell's going on? Like they're major league organization, they don't like have sources that help them. And now look, and they I get like they might the cracks, like. It, but they it, don't it, have it, that it, in this case. There's there's nothing there. You can go and search. If you look at her Instagram, even, for example, for the times that this all happened, you would never know that this ever happened there. You would never know because, you know, again, people break up on in public on, on social media. Oh, my God, if you've been watching White Sox Twitter, it happens freaking every day on White Sox Twitter. People break up online, and it's like disgustingly, like, brutal. But to say this is... Look, and Mailman Jack even says it in the chat. He says, you know, it seems unbelievable the Sox didn't make a couple calls. This guy was no Satan and was well-known. I'll actually – I differ on that. He's actually been getting great reviews. The people that I spoke I to say – There was a lot of red flags. Oh, hold on, let me but yeah, I'm he saying, broke the COVID protocol in there. Well, like, there was a bunch of – Breaking the COVID protocol was something. And, again, I told you guys on the show, the baseball players that I spoke to that were in the clubhouse that, that played with them say he's fucking awesome. And so this is another part of the baseball circle, the clubhouse protection. And I'm, that's what I'm saying is – did these guys know Did some of these guys already did, they, did his clubhouse know that he was doing this shit? Like yeah, boy, how many people know this? That's the problem that I look at as well. But look, I can't look at a guy bailing out on COVID. If a guy dips out of his hotel room to go party during COVID is not an indication of him being a domestic violence perpetrator. It does mean that the guy's an asshole sometimes and he makes bad decisions that you can prove on that, but you can't say like, and, and the same thing saying that, well, we should have seen it because he was cheating on his girlfriend. And that's not a sign of a domestic violence person either, because if we're worried about guys cheating on their girlfriends and that tells us that they're DVs, then Tim Anderson's fucked. I'll say that right now. And so are about 40% to 50% of these ball players that go out on the road and cheat on their significant others. That's not indicative either. So these are all, it's a lot of tea leaves. The only thing that they can go on is what she has to say. Now, this is the problem that I have is if the White Sox were informed, of this from the start, they could have digged, dug a lot deeper into this than Major League Baseball even. And now I expect the White Sox to be with the biggest shovel, a, a backhoe, if you will, to dig in to this situation because whatever's there, they better leave zero stones unturned. They need it now at this point because it has been the light's been shined on it. They need to be, they need to now be interviewing ex-girlfriends because now there's actually something there that can at least guide them to be to, to in the right direction but a dude dipping out for covid that's not an that's, well, okay. that's well, no indication of, of anything other than he was the, a, the not a guy that's is the other guy a domestic violence guy too because he snuck out during covid no so no, i mean but it's an example of poor judgment in that case well, well, didn't you say like the investigation's been going on since last june did they say last june. Or, yeah last they don't have any sort you're telling me the organization has no sources that could have hinted at of like hey 
It's illegal for the collective bargaining agreement, bro. It's a lawsuit. I mean, that, I mean that's the thing. Rules get broken all the time, though. I mean, yeah, well, and, and, but but in this case, if but I think luck, I'm with Mitch though, Kevin. In the in terms of, I think that when when uh, you know when fans are bringing up the the lack of due diligence or like the failure of the background check, whatever. And again, I, I'm with you. If, if if there wasn't a police report of it, like you you can't be like that's not going to be found. Um, but in terms of and forget about the you know checking social media, just beyond that. But like I'm with Mitch in terms of you're telling me that no one on the white side. Like Rick Hahn, Jerry Reinsdorf is a fucking the owner. They have nobody that on the Padres be like, hey, you know. But did the Padres what do you got on Clevenge? But were the I mean, is it does Major League Baseball conduct these investigations like a di- district attorney does, which is they don't tell you until they're kicking down your door with the SWAT team. So you got to keep that information private because. It does solely your ability to actually investigate because people start hold on, hold on, because when they understand that now there's a court case out there, money starts flying around. People start doing the old character assassination stuff to keep it private is of the utmost importance to an investigation. Well, I mean, they, they could have kept it private. Out. Like it, it just would have been like. But if it if it leaks, like, like the, the White Sox, Sox aren't going to be leaking out the report because then they're going to be like, well, how did you find out? Let's let's be honest. If someone's willing to take inside information like that, they're also willing to pass inside information like that. So well, leak, well, I mean, that's the thing leak, that happens all the time. Like you can't you can't sit here and be like, yeah, no I mean, information ever gets passed between agents. I don't think that. Maybe, no, I, don't I, don't think that like, I don't think Major League Baseball leaked it to anybody for a specific reason because it it would solely the investigation and they wouldn't be able to find what they need if they need to find it. The fact is. There's a lawsuit. There's legalities involved in this. If if word got out that the White Sox were leaked this information and bailed out on signing Clevenger, Mike Clevenger could sue the league for half a billion dollars. So you have to understand that there is a legal precedent in place for that type of stuff within the collective bargaining agreement. And that's what needs to be changed. If the collective bargaining agreement has these clauses in it of protection of this kind of shit, that shit needs to be cut out of the collective bargaining agreement. So in the future, they can share this information. And I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with you there. The biggest issue for me is the White Sox have a track record of incompetence. If this is an isolated incident, sure. Like, absolutely. But they have a track record of incompetence. And, we, you know, we've, we've talked about a bunch of them on the show. Where it, like I was saying with like the source, I, I feel like, I don't know. I'm not, I, they, they've lost the benefit of the doubt for me. I, I think there's a lot of ways, a lot of these teams, Despite it being like there's sources everywhere, there's leaks everywhere, there's ways they could have found out. And based on their track record, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, they still have to do their investigation. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, I, I don't know, just based on their previous history, I don't give them the benefit. I just I've seen, I find it very hard to believe the White Sox again. Like I said, I've I've talked to my people that that are familiar with, with the Padres organization of, of the organizations that I'm more familiar with, other than the Cubs, especially. The Padres are probably like the biggest one that I am more familiar with with people that have been involved in that organization. Everybody said that Clevenger was well liked. The only reason that the Padres didn't sign him is because they spent so much damn money this offseason that they couldn't afford to pay the guy twelve million dollars over two years. So it's not because they let him walk because he was a douchebag. On the contrary, they loved him there. Okay, the only people that didn't like him there was the media. And that was it. And it really wasn't even media. It was fans that were mad because he didn't, I don't know, he didn't kowtow to them or he wasn't like high-fiving them to be their buddy. I mean, I was told flat out that the dude is like a badass blast to have in the locker room and everybody likes him. Like, so 
uh, you know, I, when the White Sox call and they call, ask these people and they say, no, he's great. I love him. He's fantastic. What do you do if you're the White Sox when all these people are telling you, no, 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 this guy's awesome. This guy's amazing. Oh, you get a positive reviews. You know, you're like, yeah, he said he was sorry about that. The, the COVID thing. He, he wore it. He owned it. He made a public apology, blah, 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 blah. And how, I mean, how do you make a decision when every single stone you overturn comes back roses for the guy? Well, well, but that's the that. thing. But so, as I mean, Mitch said, they, they don't have the benefit of their doubt of believing that they did that. <laughs> That's well, that's the issue of uh, the the criticism. But the Larusa thing wasn't a shock to them. They knew about it before they even engaged in the contract talks with him. Anyway, and exactly, oh. yeah, that's, the point. <laughs> that's exactly. They signed yeah. Well, that's different. That's them not caring about DUIs. Um, I don't think the same goes for domestic violence. Um, okay, and then, the I'm, Omar Vizquel thing. And Rick how long Khan. did it take him to fire him? Rick Hahn like, is being sued because he was made aware and was like, I mean, that's that kind of covered it up. <laughs> that is more excusable, I think. But they've been honest, uh, you know, with 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 Larusa, they were forthcoming. I we didn't we we knew. I think wouldn't the White Sox flat out say, look, we knew, and and this is yeah, it. Like, it turned out to be you have no reason to lie here. The, the White Sox have no reason to lie here. Well, There's I none. believe that they didn't know, but that's yeah. not like the it, like like all the like we would like all those said. Based off the track, I mean, they don't show good judgment in the past. So I don't think, you know, necessarily they did their due diligence. Again, there's also, and, and, and here's California law. You can go back to these laws and he can be charged retroactively in the state of, retroactively in the state of California. If there's evidence of this, there's no reason why he's not going to also, now they're not going to double back and now press some charges. This was less than a year ago. The statute of limitations hasn't gone anywhere. And, you know, that's one thing is where we need a police report. We need, we need. Again, I, I I will say this, and this is my skepticism. Again, and again, I believe her. I believe her. I believe her. Two things I want to know is why now, right? Why now? What set it off? She said, even in her post, I've been sitting on these pictures for almost a year now. So what set it off? Did he piss her off that day? Was he a douche to her finally? Did he throw pennies at her to pay child support like Addison Russell's bitch ass did? Um, or whatever, whatever set it off. Two, why did she feel so, like if, if she felt like she was in danger, if she went, to, you know, the police, why do you feel safer going on social media and talking to a bunch of two reporters that aren't going to protect you? She was less safe, which was a missight on her part. So I, again, I want to know why, what set this off? And I want to know why this now, um, that, that, that plays a part in, in, in skepticism. Now it doesn't mean that she didn't, there's nothing that she's done wrong here, but I just, I, I, the, the, the inquisitive person to me is why now, if she says she sat on these photos for almost a year, why now? What was it? Why not? Right. When he signed the contract, why not? You know, so these are things that I'm curious. Eventually, these information will come out. She'll be able to explain herself a little further. She's going on a podcast and that. So we don't know all of this information, but it's getting here. And so that's the best part is, you know, that. But with the White Sox, I just I I can't. You're asking a team to basically break the law to find out information that they're not supposed to be privy to in the first place. Try and get information about any kind of stuff from a federal prosecutor or a district attorney. And you're if, if that leaks out at all and they find out who did it, you are so done at your job's over. And now you're about to get sued for big time. Uh, and, and and that's where, again, I don't I, I think people are giving the White Sox and baseball t- too much credit. They're not the CIA. <laughs> you know, you can only dig as far as you can find stuff. And there's just again, you're asking to find a needle in 50 haystacks and you don't know which haystack to even look in. But now they have the information and there's no excuse for the White Sox to get to the full bottom of this. They should have the DNA of the best friend's former roommate, as far as I'm concerned, when they dig into this now, because this is now they have no choice. And 
should he ever show up? He should obviously he's never going to play a game for the White Sox ever. He's not going to be in, if he's a lot. He should not be allowed at spring training. You could say he's not allowed at spring training till this resolves itself. Well, guess what's going to happen? It's going to resolve itself because the truth stands firm. And so eventually, as this plays out, the truth will put him away and end him. And so that's the you know. But the White Sox can't cut him. You can't just drop a guy for for no cause. He's got a lawsuit there. You have to understand the legality of all this. There's so many different ways that he can sue them, but there's nothing that they can do as a recourse other than just stay away. We're still going to have to fucking pay you, but please don't show up to camp until this is settled. And we know that when it's settled, he ain't going to be, he'll be more than just suspended. His career is over. And because domestic violence, they are the lowest of the low. And so I, it's just, I, I, I just, again, I get really like, Cause I think about this kind of stuff too, with like other jobs, like how is someone supposed to know these things unless you're breaking the law to find out? And so you're, a lot of people are asking the white Sox to break the law to find out if every single player that they have is under some sort of secret investigation. I mean, again, it's, it's just, it feels to me illogical to ask that much from anybody other, you know, to dig, you know, again, just, I mean, did they dig this? I mean, are you asking them to now dig this deep, like on everybody they signed for forever? And I mean, you do your due diligence. I mean, again, the people they called said he's great. So I, I, it's just hard. This is a shit situation. And in, in the end, guess whose fault it is? It's Mike Clevenger's fucking fault. This is his fault. He did this. Nobody else did. And, and if the Padres knew and they didn't tell the White Sox, then fuck them too. And the agent, if he knew, fuck him too. This is stuff that, you know, and, and if the CBA protects... Switched agents. I was going to say, if, if, well, if the CBA protects this kind of behavior, screw that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has, something has to be fixed because this is not okay that this stuff is just out there and teams don't know. I mean, God, give the White Sox a chance. Give, say, hey, look, we haven't found anything guilty, but he is under investigation. And the White Sox can choose to do with that what they will. Again, being uninvestigated is not indicative of guilt. It just means that somebody has reported something. Truth will eventually unveil itself, right? I mean, when you shine a light, you find the cockroaches. And so I, I just, it's rough, man. I just, I, I've, I've tried to restrain myself from blaming the White Sox for any of this. Um, the, the, the blame falls to the guy that, that, that perpetrated these horrific acts. And that, that's, that's where it starts and finishes to me. I, I mean, people hide that shit all the time when they're getting, you know, people lie on their applications all the time. People fudge their identity all the time. You know, it, I mean, hell, baseball has guys that are like Albert Pujols is actually 76 years old. He lied on his birth certificate. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just, right. uh, but yeah, it's, like, it's tough. Yeah, so many layers to this. And like you mentioned, I mean, obviously, immediately everyone's going to go to, and I mean, we went through it when Addison Russell was yep. investigated and mm -hmm. he was eventually suspended. There's the immediate reaction. And I think uh, Herb Lawrence had a great line when they were on uh, CGO, uh, CHGO uh, White Sox on Tuesday. And he's like, you know, there's a lot of things that, uh, or there's only a few things that we know in terms of like the allegations what MLB when they started the investigation and then like, you know, the, the report that, you know, the white Sox weren't made aware. So like, we have to take that at face value. And then obviously there's the other part of the things that we think those are two completely different things. Yep. I think that was a great line by Herb saying, you know, there's things we know and there's things we think yep. um, maybe eventually the things that we think end up being the facts. But at this point, like uh, the investigation is going to run its course. Uh, like sure, you, you can, as a fan, you can be like, yeah, just cut them. Who cares if you have to pay them? Because it's you know it's the right thing to do. We've it's not just baseball. Every sport, just because teams don't do the right thing. 
Like, and you have to, you have to be careful. Have to right people think it's a business. They're going to try to save the money. Jerry Reinsdorf isn't going to be like, fuck, I'm just going to give this guy $8 million. And then and it, it sounds terrible too, but major league baseball has to also, and, and teams have to protect against weaponizing accusations as well. They have to play both sides of the coin. Yes. We believe her. Right. But major league baseball has to sit back in all sports. All sports have to do this really at this point. What happens if the Cubs are going into a, you know, a big series in St. Louis and, Someone decides, fuck the Cardinals. I'm going to fuck this up. Hey, Wilson Contreras hit me one time. And they they throw it out there. And and, and this knee-jerk reaction of suspending a guy immediately, you know, becomes you, you, you start weaponizing accusations and it can be a slippery slope eventually down the way. Doesn't mean, again, I'm, I have to, I, I got a million times I got to say this, I got to be clear. I believe her. But you have to be, these are, there's so many facets to this that, that are, are it's, it's not just cut and dry. There's so much nuance to, to the legalities of all the way across the board and the effects that it has on just say, Hey, Oh, someone, someone accused him of something, cut him. Like you can't do that. I mean, he's entitled to due process, whether you think he's a douchebag or not. And that's why you wait. That's why the white Sox are smart. And that's what you have to do. Sox fans have knee jerk reaction. Sports fans. We're all knee jerk reaction. People. We would cut them yesterday. Right. But the white Sox have to do their due diligence because they are also subject to lawsuits and, and wrong for termination, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, Again, it what's what's the rush? I mean, let's get the information, all of it, and you could be you could bury the dude, you know, but you can't just say, Oh, I heard an accusation cut today. They have to do their due diligence because by the fractional chance that it's not true as well, they'd be in trouble. And so they have to they have to slow the roll on this. Again, like I said, there's no chance he's showing up to spring training this year. There's no chance they're letting him set foot. There's no chance this dude's gonna wear a white socks uniform ever at this point. Again, like I said, I believe her. So eventually, as the more information comes out, it's only going to be kicking more dirt on his bullshit. You know, and that's it's just like Addison Russell. The more Addison Russell tried to deny it, the more evidence came out and the more people corroborated the story. And next thing you know, he's fired into the sun. And the next thing you know, he's overseas. And the next thing you know, we never have to hear about Addison Russell ever again, other than a cautionary tale or that damn Harry Carey's at Midway Airport that still has an Addison Russell jersey framed outside the Harry Carey's restaurant. For God's sakes, get rid of that, please. I noticed that flying out, by the way. I was like, what is this still oh, doing? No. <laughs> but well, that, I do agree with you. A lot of like, they, for the people that are like, oh, you got to cut him already. Like, no, I do agree with you that, like, you, you can't cut him right now because you got to You got to make sure you go through. The, the process but even if you're going strictly the baseball side the his signing was a gamble as it was just based mm-hmm. off the amount of inning and like so people had questions about the signing now like just from the baseball aspect and now you get into this and it's just almost like confirmation the front office uh it's a tough look oh yeah, definitely a bad judge of character right <laughs> yeah. uh i mean yes yeah. like yeah like, like we've said you know uh kind of going in circles here but you just whether you think uh, they did do everything possible to find out about anything about his background, just like like you said, Kevin, they probably uh, I'm with you because like what team wouldn't do that, right? What, what they why wouldn't you go around asking former teammates, agents, whatever? Like, hey, this guy, what do you think? And like you said, he from the, the from the people that you know with the Padres, great reputation, right? So like maybe maybe that is the case, uh, but just a lot of things in the past because like. And that's the thing. We started off the show with Mitch. You know, you just got a new job. You get a full, like, social media background check. And it's not like you don't have to be that in depth. You can just put, like, Clevenger X. 
And you can see like stuff like red flags pop up right away from like a couple years ago. Not again, just because a guy cheats on someone doesn't mean like, oh, you know, like he batters her at home or whatever. But you know, you can from that you can be like, hey Mike, what's uh what's this about? Or, you know, everything good at home. Like so many mm-hmm. of these teams, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, we have family values. Well, like, you know, that that I'm assuming that would go to your players too. You want to see what, what's their home life like? So that, that's where that's where I do think there's a you there's like easy steps where like maybe you could have found something possible. And this is what I think too. This is such this is and you said it too. It this is why guys like and I'm sorry I got to use this as an example. Guys like Chris Bryant, guys like Mike Trout, these guys aren't going to give you this kind of problem. Their value inherently is that they are not going to be caught beating their you know significant others. They're not going to get caught getting arrested. They're not going to get caught, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else these guys can get in trouble, you know? And and that's another thing that's inherently value about those types of players is you don't get that baggage. You know, I mean, uh, let's be honest, the Tim Anderson drama last year with again, social media and someone that alleges that they hooked up and blah, blah, blah. That I feel like that a hundred percent was what kicked off the white Sox negativity. And I think that that was the seed that literally pushed Tim Anderson out of his own comfort zone and his own routine. You know, if he did it again, I'm not, again, I'm not going to, these are my names. I don't give a shit. I'm, my job is not to judge someone, how, what kind of husband they are. Although it's a red flag if they're a shit ass husband or boyfriend. Sure. But I'm not here to judge someone's sex life either. And I'm not judged to here to judge someone's in an open relationship or not all these things. So it's just, it, it just, you know, ball players, you know, you got to be better, period. You've got to take that alpha shit and throw it out the window. And we see it a lot. You see it, some of these guys. And and guys that, you know, I'm I'm sorry to say that. You know what my red flag is? Dudes that beat the shit out of garbage cans, coolers, and television sets when they fail. That's a red flag to me because that's wrathful, unhinged behavior that off the field could lead to these types of circumstances. Remember we talk about body language matters, and I, I get made fun of a lot for saying that shit matters. It does matter because it showcases who can control their self and who doesn't. And this is the same thing off the field as it is on the field. And it's, again, all this stuff is just, it's such a brutal part of this because, you know, we've got Addison Russell, you got you know, Araldis Chapman, you know, I mean, God, the Cubs had two domestic abusers on their team at the same time when they won the World Series, for God's sakes. How can we enjoy that part of it, you know? So it, this, this, you know, in general, men need to be better. Relationships need to be better. Um you know, the White Sox, as far as they can dig, again, like I said, you got to know where to dig before you can dig or else you're going to, you know, be spinning your wheels. But this just sucks so bad in the sense that there's somebody that was abused and now she's going to have to relive this trauma over and over and over and over again as this plays out. And God, for the child, you know, again, I just, it's just not great, you know, and I, that, so it's, it's a, it's a travesty for the people that were hurt in this. And I don't consider Clevenger being hurt by this. He's the one that shot himself in the foot. You don't feel sorry for that person. So I, I just, I don't know. It's hard to, it's, it's such a thing. You got to tiptoe around because you don't want to come across, you know, when you're, when you, when you're asking tough questions, you don't want it to come across as you're, you know, you're, you're questioning someone's story. You know, you want, and, and again, people misread things. I mean, I got someone came at me on a tweet where I was literally talking about the CBA and they jumped on me about not 
believing her and accusing her of lying. And I'm like, I don't even, I've never mentioned her. I'm talking about why the White Sox didn't know and how could they know and, you know, what the CBA is. And, but people just don't, they, they, they're angry right now. There's a lot of people looking for their pound of flesh. And, yep. you know, the White Sox have to sit and do the due diligence. They have to be the adult in the room to play this out properly because you want to, if you're going to fire someone, you get all of your ducks perfectly in the row so that there is zero chance that it comes back on you in any way, shape, or form. If there's the slightest crack in how they handle this, they are subject to a lawsuit and they could lose millions and millions and millions of dollars as a result. And so, you know, Sox fans, brace for this. If you want this to be done right, you got to let the White Sox do their due diligence. He ain't going to play for the White Sox ever. No way. But let him do this. Give him the time. Okay, every day, crying, but he hasn't been cut yet. Relax. Let them gather their evidence so that they have everything on their plate before they actually shove them out. You know, you want to make sure they're careful with it. You got to do it right. Again, the slightest loophole, the, the White Sox, the onus is on the White Sox to prove it. It's not on Clevenger's side to disprove it. You know what I mean? They've got to have, they've got to show the evidence because right now, you know, if this was a court of law, social media posts aren't getting it done. You know, yeah, in terms of the, in terms of the investigation, I do think it's the, I think it's the league who's, uh, 100% behind all that, not necessarily uh, the White Sox, but they can, uh, dig now. they can dig now, though. They know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Take but I mean, ultimately, ultimately, the decision on uh, suspension is going to come from uh, from the league. Uh, I think they're they might ultimately have to make a decision because like what have been the, some of the reasons? Obviously, the Trevor Bauer suspension was, you know, that was more than a season before it was uh, uh, before that got cut down. Addison Russell, I think, was around 40 games when he got suspended. Someone just got 80 games from the Marlins, right? Who? Someone from the Marlins didn't. Uh, or it was, uh, what was that, Marcelo Zuna? No, no Zuna got one, though, from the Braves, right? But, the uh, Braves. Um, but I think, uh, like, there, we haven't really seen, like, the year long one suspension outside of Bauer. See, it was. Uh, uh, here, I got it. Actually, I got a list. <laughs> Good job, Wikipedia. Oh, uh, here we go. Okay. All right. Um, Carlos Martinez with the Marlins. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yeah. got an 85 game suspension. Bauer got 324 reduced to 194. Sam Dyson uh, looks like he was a what a pitcher for the Rangers. It looks like um, yeah. he got 162 games for it. Domingo German or Hermain, I'm not sure if I would pronounce it. 81 games. Urias uh, from the Dodgers got 20 games. I mean, if you look at these punishments, this is pretty interesting. Let's go back. I was to gonna, yeah. 1997 Will Cordero. Eight games for domestic violence. Julio Mateo in 2007, 10 games for domestic violence. Araldis yeah. Chapman for domestic, which was really bad. It sounds like his was really bad. 30 yeah. games. Jose Ch- Ray. Chapman, too. Chapman was the first one who was suspended under, because I think they updated. I think he was the reason yeah. they updated. They even implemented like a, a set domestic violence and sexual abuse policy. I mm-hmm. think he was the very first one who was suspended under that new policy back yeah. in, was it 2016? So you got all these. I mean, when you look at it, it's slowly. Yeah, when you get to that point, it start, starts going up. Jose Reyes, fifty-one games. Hector Oliveira, eighty-two games. Uh, Jury's Familia, fifteen games only. Like, I don't know what the situation was, but Derek Norris, mm-hmm. remainder of the season, whatever the hell that is. Uh, Stephen Wright, fifteen games. Jose Torres, a hundred games. Uh, Azuna was seventy-five, and like you said, Russell was forty. So I mean, so there is going to be a decision time where less, they get less games. For domestic violence, I mean, these yeah. guys got steroids. Yeah, yep. this is insane. That's a good segue. 
to the Hall of Fame. Ooh. <laughs> No, but no, I think I think that was going to be one of my final points is there is that we're looking at the length of some of these suspensions. um, Again, we know we know the the right now the allegations and it involves a child, which is, you know, makes it even worse. Um, Infant, you know, uh, I think it was 10 10 month old. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, looking at the length of the suspensions, I think, you know, there is going to be. A time during 2023 when the White Sox will have to be like, okay, we are cutting him, yep. or he will not, or like we are suspending him. So I think they're sometime in 2023. I think they're, you know, there is going to be a decision from the team outside of the league suspension. Yep, they build the case, and when they build the case, they file it, and you're gone. Bye. Yep. Um. All right. So moving on, like you said, Mitch, let's get into it now. Some Hall of Fame not doing their research. Hall of Fame voting. Let's go. Hall of Fame voting. Uh, the big name Scott Rowland getting in. Uh, shout out to my MLB's all-time most underrated player. I can't say that anymore though. He's a Hall of Famer now. I'm properly know. rated. But actually, the conversation now has gone the other way. <laughs> Just in like one split night, it's Scott <laughs> Rowland actually overrated. Is he a Hall of Famer? Does he deserve it? Is this the Hall of Good now? Are the standards, you know, getting uh, easier to get in? Is this just a complete sham because they're just ignoring all the steroid guys? Uh, so what do you guys got? I, oh. Well, I'm looking at this too. You want to talk about Roland? Is for Mitch? You can. I'm just gonna say this: Is the Hall of Fame supposed to be for? Uh, like a historical marker for eras in the game of baseball, meaning decades at a time, et cetera, et cetera. And are you supposed to have representation for the best players for all of the decades? Or is it only when it comes to the over and you know, the, the expanse of the game since it's, you know, Abner Doubleday invented it, or is it about who is the best of their era? That's where I want to zoom. That's my question for all, both you guys. When you guys kick into this, is it about era or is it about, overall history of the game because i know there's a shit ton of people in the wall of fame hall of fame that should not be there if that's the whole scope of the game because well yeah no that's are- actually i'm glad you prefaced it like that because that kind of s- sets up why i wanted to go there's a lot of things wrong with the hall of fame voting. i always looked at it because i'm a guy like barry bond kurt Schilling. they should be it regardless of, i mean kurt Schilling, piece of shit regardless how you feel about his politics you know home fault yeah i, I like him but if you're going to tell the history of baseball, which what Cooperstown's for, you can't tell it without Kurt Schilling and Barry Bonds. Like, they're the best pitcher of that generation, best hitter of that generation. There's going to be a lot of fans that grew up in the 90s now, over that steroid era, that you're going to go to the Hall of Fame. None of your favorite players is going to be in there. So you're, like, screwing over a whole generation's of fans. Now, on the flip side, if you want to draw a hard line and be like, look, you have rules for a reason. If you break rules, there's chaos. That's fine, too. If you don't want to let any PED users in, fine. You draw the hard line. But they show they don't really care when they let David Ortiz in. <laughs> so if you're yeah. going to make that rule, then, like, don't let it. So what it really comes down to is, were you nice to the media or were you not? David Ortiz was nice to the media. Friendly face, big poppy, gave the great Red Sox speech out there for the Boston bombing. Everyone likes David Ortiz, so he gets in. Scott Rowland, no beef. He gets it. So that's where it's confusing. Going to Mark Burley, selfishly. I got my Burley shirt on. The man should be in the hall. His numbers are comparable to Tom Glavin. Read the article on Sports Mockery. But, like, I was like, okay, this year, if you look at the people on the list, Bonds and Clemens were out because he only got 10% of the vote last year. 
So it's like, all right, well, he survived a tough battle with Sosa, Bonds, Clemens. He should be good this year because clean, spotless, like no dust-ups with the media. Like this is the type of guy, like a Scott Rowland type character that you'd want, like, oh, like the perfect baseball mold. And somehow he doesn't get in after all that, which is bad. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on anymore. Alex Rodriguez got 40% of the vote. He had steroids. He still got more than Burley. What the hell is going on? They, they, like, no one knows what's going on with the ruling. If you have to debate if the guy's a Hall of Famer, and as much as I love Harold Baines, White Sox, this is kind of the same thing with him and Rowling. If you have to debate whether they're a Hall of Famer or not, then they shouldn't belong in the Hall of Fame. If it's like an actual debate of like if they're good or not, like they're not a Hall of Famer then if we have to debate over. Like Scott Rowling, out of all that, that whole class of great players, he gets in. They've let two guys in over the last two years. It's a joke. Like it's a, it's an annual joke where we're making fun of the baseball writers because no one knows what the rules are. I'm fine if you're gonna leave bonds out if you're like we're not letting any steroid users in. But they have. We know they have. So it's chaos. There are no rules. I hate it. Burley got screwed. The Hall of Fame sucks. How about this too? This is what pisses me off too. Mark Burley, his first year when he was eligible for the Hall of Fame, he gets 44 votes. Percent. <laughs> Wait, was it votes? So 44 percent? votes. 44, 44, yeah, yeah, 44 votes. 44 yeah. votes, oh, okay, right? Okay. Yeah. His second year, he only gets 5.8. Uh, last year, 2022, he got only 5.8. He got 23 votes last year. Cut in half. He went from 44 <laughs> to 23, and this year he gets 42. <laughs> How inconsistent is that? When it, did, he, did he get worse? Last year, did, this yeah. guy, did his stats change? Did he did did someone go into a time machine and like I don't know what the hell? ERA went up somehow. It's, it's inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous that again these these guys. I'm sorry, some of these dudes don't even know who they vote for. I'm, I'll be honest. Some of these dudes probably let somebody else vote. Like, I, I honestly, some of these guys don't take this so serious. But again, as Cub fans, we know that that Ron Santo. It took a, a veterans committee to get arguably the best third baseman of his era, one of the top three at, at least of his era, into the Hall of Fame. Why? We have no idea. We look at this right now. You say David Ortiz kisses everybody's ass. Mister, I go to Green Bay. I'm a Packer fan. I'm adopted by Green Bay. Shut the fuck up. All right. Okay. Here's me. Jeff Kent was an asshole, right? Jeff Kent was the best second baseman of his era, period. Okay. His numbers show it. His performance showed it. And yet somehow Jeff Kent, because he's an asshole, doesn't get in. Ty Cobb would not have gotten into the Hall of Fame today because he was an asshole. And they wouldn't vote for him. You know, Scott Rowland, okay? You know, I mean, if you want to look at guys, let's look at Andrew Jones. Another now, who Andrew Jones and Jeff Kent now are our two most overrated players uh, in, currently now. That's where we ch- shift to, right? Let's just look at David Ortiz. You know, I like to use war as a very nice gauge because it's war- wins over replacement. If it shows your value, yada, yada, yada. 55.3 career war for David Ortiz hitting in a hitter's park where the left, the right field fence was about two feet tall and it takes someone to basically stick their wiener out and swing and they can hit a baseball out of that ballpark to right field. So there's his to his, right? Let's look at Scott Rollins. People saying he's not worthy. 70.1 career war, right? Let's look at Andrew Jones. 62.7 career war. Not in the Hall of Fame, but David Ortiz is with his measly little 55.3 because he was basically a DH, right? So, you know, I, I, it, it is just, it's so weird-handed. Um, you know, I thought it used to be hard for a DH to get into the Hall of Fame. I thought that was like, that used to be like the hard thing to do because they're only half a player. But no, Ortiz was pretty easy, right? 
And now, you know, you got these guys. Again, Andrew Jones is incredibly overrated. He's the best center fielder in baseball history defensively, period. His defensive metrics indicate and let, you know, that he, he he's the only outfielder in the top, like, 58 all-time wars in baseball history when it comes to defensive war or in war in general. I think it's either defensive war or war in general. Not in the Hall of Fame. Not even getting close to enough votes, right? Like 50%, 40%, these guys. You know, it's 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 so it's stupid. It's it's a joke now at this point. The people that are voting are the problem. They need to open it up to some more. They need to get some of these old codgers out. Some of these guys are you know why Phil Rogers has no fucking he has no purpose in voting for a Hall of Fame ballot. All right, these guys are the same guys that are like pissed off because someone took a tour and the plebes were in the press box and they gave a tour of the press box. Fucking what's his name? Paul Sullivan. Suck it, dude. All right, arrogant. Big-headed, egotistical elitists should not be doing this anymore, and it needs to change. There needs to be some. There needs to be again with the internet and and podcasting and broadcasting as a whore as a whole, not as a whore, uh, yeah. as a whole, <laughs> and as a whore. You know, things need to change. I mean, there needs to be more uh, included into this process because it's it's insane. The Burley thing, forty-four to twenty-two or whatever, or twenty-three to to forty-two again, like. What, like what Billy Wagner got sixty eight percent of the vote. Like, what the <laughs> hell's going on here? Burley, I think you can make the argument was the best pitcher on that ballot, and then Andy Pettit was the other one on there besides him and Wagner. And Pettit had his steroid dust up. And now for Burley specifically, like he's kind of screwed because next year CC Sabathia comes on, so he's no longer the best left handed pitcher uh, on the ballot. You got Adrian Beltre, he's going to be a slam dunk first ballot. I mean, you would think first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, and then you got all these other guys coming on that are going to muddy the water, like Joe Maurer, Chase Utley. Like they'll probably get some vote. It's you don't even know what they're looking for at this point. Like yeah. that's what's so infuriating about this process because there's guys you could look at and you'd be like, look, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Like guy test says he's a Hall of Famer. And going back to that like point, like if you're a fan that grew up in the '90s and you go to Cooperstown, the majority of your favorite players are not going to be represented there because that whole era was defined by steroids. And then the MLB, you know, they cast. You know, they probably knew about it, too. They knew what was going on, but they were cashing in all those checks. The whole thing is just sickening. Like, baseball should be ashamed of itself. Man, man, man Jack brings up to Helton. Todd Helton. Todd Helton. Oh, he's in the hitter's park in Colorado. It doesn't count. But David Ortiz in the hitter's park to right field at, at Fenway does. Todd Helton also posted almost a seven higher career war I believe than David Ortiz. I believe high 60s, too, to answer his question. with. I think he was 68, 60. He was yeah. high 60s for the percentage he needed, and you need 75 to get it. But like, he had a great chance. This is his best chance, too. How do you fault a guy for – he's just fucking – he plays in Colorado. He played the games that he had to play, and he did his job. Exactly. And it happens so his games were not played in Colorado, so you're just going to throw oh. it. Like, I mean, I don't know. That's, it's, it's obscene. It's arcane is a good word. Arcane. I like in the last three years, they've had two guys voted in by the baseball writers. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Going back to your original question, Kevin, of like, you know, what would you like in your mind? What do you define? What should a Hall of Famer be? And I remember thinking a lot about that uh, when I was younger and, you know, when getting into Ron Santo and, you know, him comparing him to Brooks Robinson. And uh, I'm kind of I'm on I will I'll be honest, like I was on the side because like I no longer really care about the Hall of Fame anymore. <laughs> like I, I I have little interest of debating of is this guy worthy or not? Because the standards are all over the place, like you said, Mitch. Like, oh the stereo guy is in, but this sort of guy isn't. Uh, you know, this guy was good enough, but this guy isn't. Oh, I too many guys when, are getting 
voted in this year, so we have we can't vote for this guy. But Although, wait, do you remember- there's not as many guys, so now let's vote for him. Do you remember um, when they when when Sandberg didn't get in on the first ballot and he got in on the second ballot, right? Yeah. And and the writers, some of the writers said, "Well, why why is he a why not you know why not the first year? He just wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> Are you a Hall of Famer or not? Uh, and like to me, uh, to your original question was like, what do you like, to me? It's always been when I did care more was, were you the top? Or were you one of the top guys at your position during your era? Um, but then even that gets muddy because it's like, well, what do you consider the top guys of your era? Do you consider that the top three, the top five, the top? Six? So like, it's just all there's so many things they can twist yourself into arguing this or that. But then Mitch, I would also think about like how you said if you have to if you like name a guy and you have to think about it. Like before, when I would get into debates, I'd be like, well, if you have to think about it, then he's not. Like, it should be like an automatic bam. Like, Ken Griffey Jr., Hall of Famer, yes. But then, like, if you go, and I'm just going to use an example because you guys just brought him up, and he he's, like, on the fringe. Like, Todd Helton. Mm-hmm. So do you think about it, or is it automatic yes? Because if you think about it, I do think it's like, well, great career, but... If if we're if the Hall of Fame is supposed to be the the best of the best, well then maybe not. But then again, going back to everything else, there's like standards for like different guys now. So who the fuck cares? And like stats change too. Like win used to be an important pitcher stat. We don't value it nearly as much. But it's kind of what CJ in the chat said. Like the Hall of Fame is about telling the story of baseball. And if you're going to Barry Bonds specifically, you can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds or Pete Rose for that matter. The fact that the the home run leader and the hit leader aren't included in the Hall of Fame is ridiculous. Like that is among baseball's best. Stats don't lie. They should be it. We ignore the greeny abusers of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. That's fine. Don't worry about those pads, just the other pads. Yeah. Just don't worry about the cocaine. The cocaine was fine. It's the it's the steroids that we have it's a problem. With. It's but, the but you don't have a problem. If you took steroids, as long as you're nice to us, yeah. Well, we're writing about you. <laughs> right. yeah, that, that will look the other way. <laughs> it's just it's 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 ridiculous to the the way that they they again they pontificate in this and you say it. You know, it's I love the Hall of Fame. I've never been, and I, I you know I told my dad. You know, I actually can go now because I told Ron Santo before he died actually uh, here in Vegas at a cup game that I will not go to the hall of fame until he's in it ever. And he's obviously in. So my dad and I have been planning a trip to go to the hall of fame, but it's not the same. It's cool to go there because you see the history and some of the artifacts we know, you know, Josh Robich, the president of the hall of fame, Josh Robich was on our Tainted glove podcast last this past year. He's awesome. Pete when in Aloha Pete went, he got a nice back tour, special tour. He got to touch like some old, like old memorabilia, like in the back storage area. Really cool. But, some old tainted gloves. Old tainted gloves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not Wade Boggs's tainted glove though. Um, that he got on the. Never mind. Um, but it's a beer can from Wade Boggs. <laughs> or who is it? Wade Boggs. Yeah, Wade Boggs. The the flight across the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of those beer cans should be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Um, but the uh, th- this whole the whole system is a joke because the enshrined and now it takes away from the people that are actually in there. You know, like a, I know I get mad now because I look at a guy like Andre Dawson who. You know, we, we we judge Todd Helton poorly because he plays in Colorado. 
but we don't look at Andre Dawson and say that dude played on AstroTurf that fucked his knees up royally and still hit 49 home runs in the league where everyone else was basically looked like Pookie from New Jack City because they were so cracked out on their greenies. And they weighed about a buck ten soaking wet. So, you know, it, it just sucks that they it's like selective uh, application of standards. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, what is it? Outcome bias, if you will. Guys, like I said, they don't like him. He's a dick. Ah, he's not that good. And I'm going to argue this point to prove that. And I'm going to manipulate this. But, oh, Ortiz or uh, who is it for the Yankees? Uh, God, who was it? No, 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 no. They got into the Hall of Fame that shouldn't be there. They're like third baseman. Um, God dang it. Uh, was it Craig Nettles? He didn't make the Hall of Fame, did he? No. Oh man, if they, if they're before the nineties, I don't know. Oh, this is I'm talking like, I'm talking old, old, like uh let's see here. It's no, Craig Nettles. Yeah, Craig, Craig Nettles. I think it's Craig Nettles. Did he get in the Hall of Fame? Uh, am I losing my mind? I feel like Craig well, Nettles. As you're looking that up, and like you said, Kevin, too, the, the other thing that annoys me is like, oh, well, oh this no, guy's on a first ballot Hall of Famer, but you know, we'll vote him in like you're five. Yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> I totally agree. That's so <laughs> stupid. So yeah, also, also, I don't think anyone's ever gotten in with 100%. Like, you're telling me, you're telling me Greg Maddox, like Hall of Fame career, he like some or Ken Griffey Jr., like some of these guys. Mario Rivera, Mario Rivera was the only player, or was the first player in history to be elected unanimously to the Hall of Fame. Is he the only one, or is he one? He's the only one. He's the only one. I mean, which he should have been, but not the first. I mean, Maddox got the Maddox got the second highest number of votes, and then uh, in Rivera was not left off any ballot. Derek Jeter was next, third, being left off just one ballot. So it was. I mean, how is Greg Maddox? Not even Jeter with the New York bias could get a hundred percent. How is Greg Maddox? You know damn well the or the Red Sox writer like that bastard. No, it's like that. Or like, how about was it the NFL where the where the someone accidentally voted for like some backup linebacker for the Bears? Oh, no. well, well, I think that wasn't that a like, no, like, it's the Cubs. They wrote in the wrong name. Right. Yeah, he's he's to, to, to vote for that shit. My like, God. Wait, yeah. Ryan to well, it wasn't Ryan Tapera, was it? Yeah, it was Ryan Tapera. Yeah, because yeah, he got the Cy Young. These guys can't even proofread their own votes. Like, God. Or was it MVP? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was MVP. It was MVP. Yeah, it was, uh, it was MVP. Because yeah. we joked that he was a he, MVP vote getter. That's he combined right, yeah. for blankety blank votes with. Which uh, is true. That's official. They couldn't change it. Look, it was a <laughs> Ryan Tapera will go down history as getting an MVP vote for yeah. after his stellar 2020 season. 2021. Do you guys remember um, this too? Um, do you remember how hard it was to get a closer into the Hall of Fame for a long time? Yes. Um, I mean, who was the first major closer besides Raleigh Fingers? Obviously, Raleigh. That's what uh, I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Raleigh was again. Uh, um, let's see here. Who were the relievers, closers? I mean, it took a while Austin, for Dennis, Rivera. Dennis it took a while for Goose Gossage. You know, Rivero didn't, but Lee Smith was like almost off the ballot, was he not? I mean, Lee Smith, yeah, for God's sakes. Stud. You know, it, it's just that's another weird... guy. That's another guy who's like not a Hall of Famer for 14 years, but you know, his very last year of uh, being eligible. All right. I guess it's like it's so pathetic because you feel for the guys because then it becomes like oh they were just tossing him a bone. It's like yeah. oh they're just they kind of felt bad for him so like here you go and it's like oh, no like he was guys really that fucking get voted good. in and like like Harold Baines got voted in with like the old timer like the old timer yeah. ballot or whatever. There's a lot of guys that you know they can't enjoy it while they're alive because I get screwed over by all the baseball writers and everyone knows oh, they should be a Hall of Famer and then by the time they get voted in it's way too late. 
I mean, God, Harold Baines had a 38.8 war, for God's sake. <laughs> that was All just right. an example. I'm not saying he should have been, which actually, you can make the argument he could have been. But like, I mean, Andrew, Andrew Jones and Barry Bonds is in, like, come on. But yeah, and, and it's a Ron Santo had, you know, passed away. He never even got a chance yeah. to enjoy it. That's what, yeah. So, like, that so is, the family is, sure enjoyed it, but I mean, it's fucked up, man. It's just, you know, I look at Pete Rose. Pete Rose fucked up. You know, he did. But there are people in the Hall of Fame that did the same shit, including George Herman Ruth and Ty Cobb. And, you know, I mean, those guys were shaving back in the day. It's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's just. The users in the hall, there's racists in the hall, there's cheaters in the hall. I mean, mean, there's like selective outrage. Yep. (laughs) Somebody cheated. In the hall. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical is what it is. If you drew the line said, we're not letting any PED users into the hall of fame, then I can live with Bonds not being in. Yeah, I, but that's yeah, the thing. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I'll be back in. I'll be back in on caring it, caring about the of the baseball Hall of Fame. If they're like, all right, we're we're setting this hardline stance, and you know what, we're kicking some guys out. <laughs> yeah. I'll say this too. Like, that, yes, yes. Again, if the players apologized, especially and admitted, I have I don't understand why. Again, Poppy admitted it, apologized, right? Sort of. Alex Rodriguez apologized. Um, those guys, it, it matters, you know. I mean, Roger Clemens, you know, again, another one of the best pitchers of all time. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. He was the well, scariest that, pitcher well, that, of the 1980s. The, you can compare it because I think Clemens uh, is getting a lot less votes than uh, Andy Pettit, right? And Andy Pettit was another guy who, like, you know, apologized, went on TV, did the interviews, like, all right, yeah, you know, made some bullshit excuse, was like, yeah, no, I did it. And then, like, I think he's rehab, getting is what he said. Yeah, it was for rehab. <laughs> bounce back um, on and i mean shoulder. he's closer he's closer to getting in than roger clemens who's just all-time dominant guy he is an asshole but like that should yeah. affect what he did in the mouth <laughs> again being an asshole is not an exclusive thing i mean a lot of these guys are assholes too i mean i don't know i you know you look at the game of baseball and let's be honest barry bonds is arguably the greatest player to ever live and he's not gonna be in the hall of fame That's the dude, thing, he would have gotten in with even if he didn't take the steroids the amount of times that dude was walked, especially in his latter seasons, intentionally. I went to a game. I went to the game. I mean, I was at the game that he hit the tying home run when he tied. Uh, he when he tied uh, Hank Aaron, and it was his first at bat. So we we're like, holy shit! We we're in San Diego Petco. We we're like, holy shit! He's got two, three, four more at bats. We might see it tonight because it was awesome. The dudes were like, we all Padre fans were like steroids. As soon as he hit the home run, they were like standing ovation completely <laughs> out the window right so we're like oh hell yeah they intentionally walked it was a third it was a it was a sunday game so it was the that was the last game of the series they intentionally walked him four times and so he went back to san francisco and i think the first he game back Harper treatment hit the homer he got walked with the bases loaded i don't know how many times right i mean god he was it, it, yes his head was the size of 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 you know you know uh neptune sure or not neptune uh uh, what's the big, what's the big planet? Is it Neptune? Jupiter. 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 Small. Yeah. Right. Neptune small. Sorry. Neptune is, uh, is Eric Sogard's head. Um, but, uh, I don't know why I just, I just felt like insulting Eric Sogard so badly just now, but he's going to be a world baseball classic participant. I think I forget what team for? I think uh, Israel. Maybe. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. I, I got to find out if my buddy Mitch is playing for team Israel again. It'd be awesome. Okay. If he was playing Mitch, he's a former white Sox prospect actually. Um, yeah, team Israel. They're trying to get all the they're pulling all the stuff. They almost got Dylan Cease. They got Eric Sogar. They, they got have Matt Mervis. They, they have Matt Mervis. They got a squad. But 
the Hall of Fame stuff is it's frustrating for all of us because we're fans of the game, we're fans of the history. It's important to embrace everything that's happened in the game's history. And and when you have these type of when you have these subjective voters that are out here, you know, applying different standards to different people based on who made them feel special. Um, it's a it's it's the game itself, man. These you know, th- there's too much power in the hands of sports writers these days. You know, I would I would approve more of players having a in, having a say in this of who votes these guys in. But again, how do you fix this? I mean, do you guys have a solution? I mean, because what what is the solution to this problem? I mean, we we, we talk about the problem. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least offer some sort of solution because i mean how how can we fix this like what is a way to fix this although had i mean if you're gonna go through if you're gonna have a steroid lie that you go through and you, you take all the known cheaters and you, you kick them up that'd be the only way but they're not gonna do so you have to the only other way to fix it is if you have some sort of parameters yeah to be a hall of fame but it's too subjective so they could never do that so i don't think there is a good way to fix it. they're in too deep and what's what i'm worried about is 120 years from now, there is no baseball because all the fans died. Because it's not like they're getting any new fans with all this crap. <laughs> like they're pushing the diehard fans away. Like we're like we're all like lifelong baseball fans, and we're infuriated about it. So like, what who, what what kids like hook, hooked on baseball right now? It's not a Do good look. You, well, it's kind of like this too. Kurt Warner played 124 games in the NFL. I, right. I was gonna say. Well, uh, before we get into that, Kevin, I was going to say, it's interesting, because, uh, like, the thing about the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, and which it's sad that, you know, less and less fans care about, you know, MLB in general, and then the Hall of Fame, people are just over it, is that it does stretch out through, like, such a long history. You know, we're going back to the 1800s, right? But then, like, so you get to this period where, like, yeah, it doesn't matter, but, like, why does it matter to so many fans compared to the other, other Hall of Fames? Like, there's guys that, you know, get, there's debates about in the NFL, NBA, but, like, when they get in, there's not this big hubbub of, like, oh, they didn't deserve it, or whatever, like, this guy should be in. Um, But for for some reason, it it does seem like, for baseball specifically, it's like, no, it's always a huge debate, but then it's it's getting, like, after every year passes, like, there's just fewer and fewer interest. Mm -hmm. No, Mitch, you're muted. (laughs) Sorry. That's go. why I always held the Baseball Hall of Fame in such high regard because it's the hardest to get into. Like football, you almost are, it's too easy. Like you go to Canton and they got bust for everybody. You were a couple time <laughs> Pro Bowler, you're getting in, which is ridiculous why Devin Hester didn't get in first down, but he, he's going to be coming too. Someone asked that in the chat room. But like, like, same with like a lot of these other sports, like baseball, you got the longest history out of all of them. And it's kind of like a rarefied air and it's, it's like the hardest to get into. So like that's why you have this huge deal every year and this big debate over the baseball hall of fame. And now it's just kind of that they're shooting themselves in the foot because it went from this like really awesome achievement to get in. And now it's like, well, does it even matter anymore if you're not letting some of the game's best players? Like, so it's within the last 10 years, like not even like five years almost. They've completely like tarnished. Cause I remember when going, you know what it is too? It's the writers that have been doing it for so long that are getting old. Yeah. They're getting way up there in age. Yep. Now they're getting crotchety the older they get. People like Phil Rogers should not have a Hall of Fame vote. It's, the guy yeah. doesn't even really cover baseball anymore. He's not even there every day. Like I was going to say, exactly. you, you asked you know, how, what's the solution. I, I'm i with sure? Mitch. You have, to set a, you have to set some sort of parameters because there's just how the hell are you going to, uh, like you said, Kevin, apply different things to different situations. Like, I like this guy. I hated this guy. He's in. He's out. So set the parameters. Step number two, 
you got to be covering the game. You have to be like a beat reporter for like, you know, a set period of time. I can't have these guys being like 80, 90 years old, haven't covered a game in 30 years. I would can't also say they all have to make their ballots public because it's optional. Yes. Uh-huh. You got better. You better be able to justify your votes if you're not voting for like the the, the jackass that didn't vote for. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Like your ballots got to be public. Explain yourself. And the other thing, I mean, I don't know what the reason is that they do. Maybe because like they don't want or they want to have enough time for the speeches or something. But one time. Hall of Fame or not, vote yes or no. But enough with this. Oh, you know, he's not deserving of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, or, oh, like the Mark Burley thing. Let's get him these votes away. He goes down, back up, back up, back down. Hall of Famer, yes or no. Decide. Right. Here you go. This is why people like Phil Rogers shouldn't have Hall of Fame votes. This is his 2018 Hall of Fame vote. Didn't vote for Barry Bonds. Didn't vote for Roger Clemens. Voted for Vladimir Guerrero. Didn't vote for Trevor Hoffman. Didn't vote for Andrew Jones. Voted for Chipper Jones. Didn't vote for Jeff Kent. Didn't uh, vote for Fred McGriff. Voted for Mike Messina. Didn't vote for Manny Ramirez, Scott Rowland. Voted for Kurt Schilling. Didn't vote for Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield. Voted for Jim Tomey. Voted for Omar fucking Vizquel. Didn't vote for Billy Wagner. Voted for Larry Walker. I mean, look at that. I mean, what is that? I mean... This guy is voting, and that's that's his votes. I mean, he literally left off the best players on there. Arguably, didn't didn't get a tick mark. I mean, thank God he didn't vote for Arby Huff. I'd have lost my hell, but <laughs> but I mean, Barry Roger. Hey, don't forget, uh, Arby Huff, Huff had similar numbers to Manny Machado, and he deserved a big contract. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just insane. It's it's, no, a, it's man, a that's all, yeah, that's a name I haven't heard about. Didn't know, yeah, one guy sold his Hall of Fame vote. Did that happen? I feel like someone or they oh, did it. Oh, as- it was uh wasn't it the guy from ESPN or who or did they make a joke about it? Yeah, like, he's so- like I forget who the fuck it was. Shit. Was it Levitard? No. Did he yes. have yes. no yes. Levitard have a Hall of Fame? Wait, vote? does he have, who the fuck am I thinking? Was it him? It would be him if it was him. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> he's like something yeah, that he I would just- say. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's unfortunate because, you know, we are, I think, you know, three diehard baseball fans and just, man, kicking the teeth. just like, just a lot of meh. And and we're talking about the most prestigious thing that a player can get, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) being a Hall of Famer. And we're just kind of like, kind of over it. Sad, sad stuff. Congrats to Scott Rowland. Yeah, but congrats to Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland deserves it, too. Deserves it. How would you like to be Scott Rowland right now? It's like the biggest, like one of the biggest honors you had in your life. And everyone's like, this is bullshit. He couldn't have gotten in. He's the only one that got in. It's like, oh, man. so much family listening to this. It's like, It's so much easier when someone else gets voted in, too. Preferably, like, three people. So, like, you can kind of hide somewhere. For forever, the year that Scott Rowland got in is gonna be the year that like all these guys got like screwed over. Yeah, <laughs> he's out front. He's just wearing the flak for everybody. Exactly. So it's Poor gonna guy. be Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff inducted in the summer. Yep. Congrats to them. Um, I, although I do want to ask this question since we yes. got we're on this because you and I are a little partial to it. At what point do we have the conversation that? Another underrated third baseman. If some of these other guys with these numbers are getting in, we're ignoring a guy that hit 386 home runs, drove in almost 1,500 runs. Uh, you know, had a 833 career OPS, played third base for what? How many years? Uh, 
looks like nine seasons, 16 seasons, 20 seasons. Looks like 20 seasons uh, of baseball. You know, is there is there even a, a, a there you go, Yumper? Yeah, is there even a conversation about Aramis Ramirez being somewhat a snub no. at this point if Roland's in? Because you know, I mean, I don't. Well, I think the uh, and I mean, you said it right off the bat with Scott Roland. One of the biggest things that he has, he's he was just spectacular defensively at third base. I don't think uh, Aramis Ramirez has that track record there. Yeah. Great numbers, very underrated when he was with the Cubs. I think looking mm-hmm. back, especially looking back, and you know, you know, valuing now the power on base skills that guys in the corners have now that we value. Going back to Rams Ramirez, very good, but nah, I mean, I no, <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's a he's just a it, to me, it's a hall of the very good, or not oh, I, I, just he was good. Of, some of them are very good. Others. We're nice to the media and we're very good. Yeah. All solid. If he was just nicer to the media, he would have gotten votes. God, <laughs> you blew it. You blew it first, Gene. He, he wouldn't get a Bob Brenly's vote. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you guys, do you guys have uh, any <laughs> thoughts on the, on nah, the, Hall, of the Hall of Fame? <laughs> um, oh. I did want to get into some off-season rumors. I was still, again, surprisingly, oh. we're in July, about a couple weeks away from – Spring training officially kicking off for the Cubs and White Sox, but there's some uh, there's some rumblings, and uh, the White Sox number one national reporter don't hold my earrings. <laughs> started things off with uh, mentioning Cubs now utility maybe third baseman Nick Madrigal being a possible trade candidate to the White Sox. Mitch, we've been talking about it for a few months, jokingly. I've been trying to push him back to you guys for months. You guys keep saying how he's a great hitter. Why don't you want Nick Madrigal back? Thanks. No damn sense. <laughs> the White Sox have been in the market with all these rumors for all these mediocre second basemen coming off horrible offensive seasons. Like, if you're going to act like you're in the market, to be fair for the Nick Madrigal one, <laughs> Bob Nightingale did just suggest it, and everyone's like, Bob Nightingale's got connections to the White Sox organization. They're smoked as fire. They're probably in on him. Why didn't Han ask Nightingale about fucking Clevenger? I, yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you bringing up Nick Madrigal just gave Zoe, even though he's not here, you just gave Zoe another cluster migraine. Oh, no, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for Zoe to jump back on the bandwagon because he, no he fucking dropped Madrigal as like so fast him and carry both carry also did the carry had like a Nick love I'm a Nick magical defender but like with the injury history alone is enough to make you he has not had a full season the most games he's ever played was last year 56 that's it yeah so there's no track record if you're trading for him that he's going to stay healthy the whole year and assuming he gets injured you're right back to where you were with rami gonzalez or lenin sosa as your candidates because like you have to assume he's going to get hit he's going to get injured He's coming off a terrible offensive season. And the Cubs, he's under contract for a while. The Cubs have no reason to trade him. For a team with, as the White Sox, that don't have a lot of assets to give up as it is, why why, like, why like, are you trading for Nick Madrigal? That's not a clear upgrade. And for the Cubs, like, you can milk as much as you want out of him because they have no reason to trade him either. If I'm David Ross, I'm like, hey, you know what? I can do a lot worse than Nick Madrigal coming off the bench, making a couple spot starts. I mean, he gets injured as is. Maybe if he's a utility hitter or a man for us, pinch hitter late in games, you know, that's, that's not bad. There's worse yeah. things that could happen. I yeah. honestly, for the Cubs, I wouldn't trade for the Cubs. Yeah, your Cubs need that too. <laughs> for a guy late in the game, you need a guy to move the runner over. Say there's a guy in like second second base, one out. You, you got to move him over or whatever. 
Nick Madrigal's not going to strike out. He's putting that ball in play. That's kind of nice. Boy, as, <laughs> as a, uh, I would say as a Cubs fan, and for me, the most annoying thing about Madrigal uh, again, some of the criticism goes overboard, but the most annoying thing about him for me, and like you said, only played fifty six games. If he would have stayed healthy, damn it. He maybe he does have a solid season. Maybe he hits 300 again. And you know, the Cubs still sign a shortstop, Dancy Swanson, and they, they still have the plan to move Nico Horner to second base. But then Nick Madrigal is actually he- is actually healthy, valuable. And then they could have traded for Pablo Lopez from the Marlins because Luis arrives. That's basically what it is like just contact slap hitter hits 300. Marlins are like, Yeah, we want that. That, that could have been Nick Madrigal that would have made the Cubs better. <laughs> rotation wise but they but that but yeah he could have been that too i mean if you look at his like with the white Sox, he hit over 300 his last year and he was really hot in the month of june like we're leading up to that he started off slow and he got really hot right yeah. before he got injured and with the cubs the same thing he hit 242 i believe last year but that was only because of his last month he was really good so that average like it shouldn't have even been 242 that high he was, his first couple he was monumentally awful. bad to open the season too he, he got so hot so though bad. and right when he was on a heater is when he got hurt but like if yeah. he could stay healthy for a full 100 like say he played over 100 games there's no doubt in my mind he's he's hitting like he's a 275 hitter or higher like so Aldo, does this mean that nick madrigal is going to play 100 plus games at third base for the chicago cubs now that he's been Working out at the hot corner at practice. He's been I need to nice. see. I need to see the throws. I need to see how they're getting over to first base. Because first of all, if Eric Cosmo is going to be the first, if Eric Cosmo is going to be the first baseman, if you if we want to talk analytics and the eye test, Eric Cosmo has been one of the worst defensive first basemen for like five straight years. Well, well maybe Trey gets some tr- time. Or Trey, over that's the thing. Hopefully, it is our guy Trey Mancini who takes yeah. over first base. Um, but yeah, I, I need to see video on Mick, on Nick Madrigal's throw uh, across the diamond. It's weird too because he was a great defender in college, Pac-12 Defender of the Year two years in a row. And it's not like he's been. Rated. It's not like he's gotten like shoulder injuries or arm or did he? No, it's been legs, hasn't it? Well, he had no. He he had a separated. He had a shoulder injury his first year. Oh, he hurt on the right. slide, and then he had to have shoulder surgery after his first year. Oh, that's which right. is funny too because you look at his advanced metrics. His like arm strength ranks pretty low on the baseball savant, like. He's in the bottom third percentile yeah. in arm strength, but like you, you know, the talent's there somewhere. It just hasn't defensively, especially, it just hasn't translated over to the major league level. So I still, it's just I mean, that's a frustrating thing because like everything they, because even even his 2022 season, you can make a valid excuse. It's like, all right, he started off slow, you know, new team, probably feels pressure. He's coming off the the surgery in 2021. It's like, all right, like that's why he got off to a bad start. But then he like got injured again. And then when he came back, he was hot. But then he got injured again. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> Play on, stay on the field for me one time. <laughs> no, I, and I do still get time. I will say he is a good player. He is just not the right guy for the White Sox at this time. It makes no sense for him. If so, I was like the Colorado Rockies or a rebuilding team. Yes, I would take a flyer on it. We've said it for months. The Rockies would be perfect. Absolutely. Can 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 we do this too, Aldo? Can we tell Cub fans to stop with these trade scenarios? Like you're the like your Philadelphia Eagles fans trying to get three first round picks for Carson Wentz. What the hell is this? Nick Magical and and uh, David Bodie for Yon Moncada plus cash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? Get the hell out of it. Yeah, no. And this is a major radio, Cubs radio station host that, that proposed that. Um, no. That's, are you insane? Was it? I, thought, I thought it was the Cubs it was, hot stove. Okay. It was uh, 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 CG, Chicago, Chico, Chicago, Chico, uh, uh, Oh, CHGO? CHGO's Cubs oh. broadcast. Uh, certain, yeah, one of the members of their uh, podcast. He even tweeted it. It's like, are uh, you, or he stayed on the air. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me right now? That wasn't even the <laughs> And it was serious with a straight though. face. That, that one, the, and that one pissed me off because it's like, Bob, it's like, God damn it, Bob. Like, now everyone's going to run. Because, like, you know, like he's got all the white socket. Because mm-hmm. everyone, all these fans have been saying this. And I remember, like, it was like, finally, I had like a, I wrote an article about second base candidates the White Sox could trade for at the time. And I had one about Gene Segura. And both those articles were like, it was like, the White Sox signed Gene Segura. It's like, no, this should just trade for Nick Madrigal. Or like, White Sox options, like, the White Sox could, like, trade for. Why not trade for Nick Madrigal? So this finally is like, all right, I made a whole article that you're like, why they should not trade for Nick Madrigal. Then Bob Nightingale, two weeks later, what does he do? Hey, you know, the uh, Cubs, uh, they can trade Nick Madrigal. Who, who's looking for a second base with the White Sox? Damn it, Bob. You know, Bob Where was just, all the idiots? Bob was sitting at home drinking like an old fashioned. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cause some chaos. Watch. However, that, that wasn't even the worst. I'll go ahead. No, okay. Well, exactly. I was going to answer yeah. it, Mitch. However, <laughs> The that kind of the the Nick Magical talk kind of lend more credence after we learned on Tuesday when uh, the Athletics Ken Rosenthal reported that the White Sox have interest in trading for the other Nick Magical, Nicky Lopez, who what were what I think he had like a 56 or a 59. WRC plus in 2022. Yeah, why does why do the White Sox want? Why do the White Sox want all these terrible? Well, I mean, if you're going to act like you want to address the second base hole, why are you attaching yourself to some like a below average hitter in the major leagues in every aspect? He Look had up his one numbers, good... uh, Kevin, because man, who Nicky Lopez, Nicky Lopez. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But look at his numbers. Like last year. Uh, so let's see. He has a career slash line of 252. But that's because he had one season where he hit 300. Yep. Last year, 227 average, 554 OPS. And then the year he did have that like great offensive season, he hit 300 in 565 plate appearances. You know, that's that's good. Season highs across the board. Not a whole lot of extra base hits. His OPS was still 744. I just a player like 800 and above is kind of like where I set the bar. Like that's pretty good OPS. Yeah. 744, you know, that's solid. Bottom of the lineup, I'll take that. But that's that's his best season. He has not had a season where he's hit above 240 since then. The defense has been good for his career, but last year it was a down year defensively too. He was negative as far as range factor and everything. It just made it make no sense. Like at that point, you're better off just rolling the dice with with a Gonzalez uh, or uh, like a, or like with with Rami or Lenin Sosa because like you know what. You know what Nicky Lopez is at this point. And if he's not hitting for average, which he's only done once in his career, he's virtually useless because he doesn't get on base. He doesn't hit the ball hard. He doesn't hit for power. <laughs> like the slugging percentage is shit. He doesn't his, do anything well. His runs better than average, which is basically, if you don't know, it's the, it's the, like, it's the number of runs this player is better than like the league average. He's been negative in all but that one season. And he was negative 16. Uh, this past season. So negative 14 is his career. So he is 14 runs below the average major league player. When it comes, <laughs> and like, think about this. The Royals, the Kansas City Royals, who are terrible. They're the worst team in the AL Central. He was not going to be the starter for them this year. Like he was going to be their utility man out opening day. 
And the White Sox are like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like our second baseman. <laughs> Sign me up. We're interested. Give me a break. Good God. Liori, tell him, tell him put in the chat. Liori's a bet. I'll take Liori over of any day. <laughs> because we don't have to give up assets we don't have in the farm system to acquire them. Good God, man. It's a terrible week to be a White Sox fan. <sighs> Nicky Lopez, though. Come on. Hey, he's a local kid. Yeah, neighbor. Oh, that that was the other thing. Neighborville guy. There you go. It was like White Sox and the Naperville were both trending at the same time. We forgot to start the. As Mitch started to rant, we got we got to get Mitch rant music going because that was a good one. Well, no, well, that's a, that's a, that's a, we get, we're gonna get sexy. We gotta get, we gotta get sexy later with this. Yeah, yeah, we gotta get sexy with that. We need to. Uh, does Rick Hahn oh, yeah, have? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Rick Hahn has a thing for short guys. That's true. Short, light hitting infield. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I brought up. Uh, uh, okay, so think about a trade for. I don't think the magical one. I, I agree with. That. I think that was just Bob being Bob, trying to have some fun <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> but Nikki Lopez, you know, coming from Rosenthal. But the, again, the Royals are set to not be willing to trade Nikki Lopez. But if let's say talks to progress, hy- hypothetical here, would you prefer? giving uh, that's the thing uh, what the hell you're not it's not like you're going to give up a lot for nikki lopez he's bad <laughs> um nikki lopez option a option b bring back elvis andrews what bring would you do El- bring back elvis andrews <laughs> well well done because I'm, I'm, I'm not trading anything for him i mean and honestly at that point as much as i've been pissed that they're gonna roll with either gonzalez or sosa at least there is a ceiling like Sosa, especially the ceilings there. He's got some power. He showed, you know, maybe he's better third baseman than he is. It's like, all right, fine. It just pisses me off that they're going to go with like one of those. Like if it was a rebuilding team, fine, roll them out there, but they're supposed to be contending. They got two unproven guys out there. That's what the biggest, my biggest pet peeve with those two is. But like, honestly, if I had to choose between Nicky Lopez or Andrews, who I think played out of his shoes last year and has never played second base. Mind you, he's a good fielder. I'm sure he can adjust, but like I'll just I'll take my chances with the guys with the high ceiling and Gonzalez and Sosa at that point. Like, uh, it's it's what it is. It, it's terrible. I mean, I it's not a good situation. They they should have just signed um Segura, who only got signed like 14 million to nothing for two years when he got paid. Like he's the best guy in the market. I don't know why why they didn't like that, but you know, Oof. Had to too get, much research uh, involved with him. Had to Desperate. get Ben Attendee, record deal, Mitch. Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Got his man. He got his man. He got his man. <laughs> One They're thing so I forgot. Seducing Ben Attendee. They didn't do the research on yeah. any of the free agents. Yeah, we're gonna we're next thing you know we're gonna find out Ben Attendee. Sorry, we don't have time for this no. Clevenger report. I'm talking to Andrew on the other line. <laughs> find out that Ben Attendee's the fucking Zodiac killer. Like, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of Andrew Benintendi, one thing I forgot to uh, bring up uh, previewing the show was Eloy Jimenez uh, is dead set that he's going to be playing in the outfield. And I, I brought it up to, to the group chat earlier this week. <laughs> and my point wasn't so much that, you know, the White Sox are going to do that because, again, it's the it's the wrong decision. Um. Especially, you know, if Elo has to go to right field, which would be you know, tougher than what normally is the easier left field. Um, and it's not so much that, you know, 
that the White Sox would would consider doing it because again, the wrong decision. But it's if Eloy has it in his head, I hope it doesn't get to this point. And again, it's just all talk at this point. Spring training hasn't even happened. But I hope that this doesn't become like a personal issue and he carries his feelings like at the plate where that's where he brings the most value. And then we start seeing a decline at the plate for Eloy. Eloy, um, Eloy Jimenez thinking that he should be an everyday outfielder in any way, shape, or form always brings me back to this. Gentlemen, what brings me to my next point, don't smoke crack. <laughs> but see, that's the other thing. I don't blame Eloy for wanting to do that. He should. You know, he's still, what is he, like 25, 26? Like, he should be like, you know, I don't want to reduce myself as only being a designated hitter. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but when I did bring it up was because he just seemed so, like, emotionally invested in, in wanting to be viewed as not a DH when it is painfully evident to everybody around him that, like, no, dude, you're going to be the DH. Please get that through your head. It just seems like they're kind of just tiptoeing around with him because I think Pedro Grifol has said, like, oh, like, you know, he'll get some starts, like, like once or twice in right field per week. It's like, like, you can be straight up with him. Be well, like, hey, honestly, we view you as the DH. I <laughs> have no problem with that. One, if it keeps him engaged, if that's what they have to do to keep him engaged. And to. you do need him to be athletic. Like, despite being a DH, like, I don't want him to have to hit, like, a like a ball off the wall and it's reduced to a single because he's not running or staying in shape and being athletic. I think if he has in his head, hey, maybe I can be an outfielder and he's working on it. And Pedro Grafal is coming out saying, like, yeah, you know, he could be an option in right field. I think the White Sox know damn well he's not an option in right field. Maybe he gets a couple spot starts there. Fine. But, you know what, if his defense does improve and that's his motivating factor because of it, so for the couple spot starts he has, he looks efficient, great. At the very least, it keeps him in shape. It, it keeps him active. Keeps him engaged. Fine. Like I, 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 I have less. Yeah. I hope he like. I, I think deep. I would hope he's not naive enough to think like, no, I actually have a shot to be the right fielder. But um, it, cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> exactly. Every time. You know, you make this up too. Although, and, and you, know, you point, he's they're gonna, you know, you, they're gonna have. This is how it's gonna play out for 2023. They have to throw him a bone to keep him interested. So, get ready, White Sox fans. Once or twice a week, you're going to basically be watching baseball games on pins and needles, praying to whatever spaghetti monster you worship, begging for safety for Eloy because you're gonna have to sweat out six innings and pray to God the White Sox have like a seven run lead and they can do a late inning defensive replacement move or something <laughs> like is minimize the innings as possible. Look, I love the fact that he's competitive, but there is a bubble that these guys live in and there are people in Eloy's ear telling him you are the fucking right fielder, bro. You are the right fielder. And they're telling him this and nobody's going to tell him otherwise in his circle. So he rolls in there in his little bubble and his little, his little echo chamber thinking that he is, you know, freaking andrew jones out there in the outfield you know he's eloy you know you, it, i love it, you you're a dh it just goes back to the torment of white Sox and we can't have andrew vaughn in right field because like i got you bro ruining the benefit of the doubt he's already burned the benefit of the doubt getting hurt on stupid shit you lost it buddy it's it it's not even yeah, as much as like like, oh, he's going to be, like, completely awful defensively, which, you know, I think 
I think he's like, he's obviously not good. He's not a good outfielder. I think just similar to Kyle Schrober, he has the goofy fucking play. So he has the reputation of being awful. I think Mm -hmm. like Andrew Vaughn, looking at the numbers, like he was like truly like bottom of the league defensively. It's more to, it's more so to the fact. Safety hazard. Eloy. He's gotten hurt on like two or three separate occasions playing the outfield. He's fallen in the net. He's hung on the wall. The ball got stuck under the wall for an inside the park home. He had that like like that collision with Luis Robert. Oh, he almost injured two people. He almost almost killed the entire. That's exactly why. Although that's a great point. Like Andrew Vaughn is arguably just as like Eloy might be a better defender than Andrew Vaughn. But there's so many clown show highlight reel plays that he's got the stigma where it's like, we, we can't have this guy. Do you know what, though? Andrew Vaughn did really well as an outfielder. He didn't get himself hurt or take chances of or do things out there dumb enough to get him hurt, like diving into a net or going at lunging after a, a, a sure home run. Like, what are you doing? Like, he knew his limitations. Absolutely. He, yeah. he, he might not be great defensively, but he's also probably not someone that's going to go out there and, you know, inadvertently run through you know a, a wooden fence because and, he's just not he doesn't have any spatial awareness he does have spatial awareness and i think eloy doesn't i think unfortunately right. for eloy he reminds me of those kids we do intramurals out here right and we have baseball practice all throughout the fall and into the winter which means anybody there's no cut so any kid that wants to play can come out and play guys i have with 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 the jugs machine p- shooting pepper balls up in the air for these guys I've seen kids accidentally spike themselves and cut a gash on, above their knee where I could actually see their kneecap from their, they spiked themselves just running, just running or guys that, that literally got their glove up and the ball missed their glove and hit him square right in the forehead. Um, I can say that Eloy is one of those guys where y- you have to protect them from themselves there. We got to a point where we're like, Hey, but uh, you're a real nice kid. Maybe we should try working more in the cage. We'll think of you as DH because I really don't want you to, you know, bleed out on the field by accidentally, you know, like, you know, cutting your jugular or something with your with your cleat somehow. Eloy is the same way, and they've got to. There has to be a way to explain it to Eloy. But there's you have these. You know, we're gonna get to see Eloy's team mindset. Is he a team player? Is he is he about the me or the we? Because if Eloy can't handle this, he is about the me. And that's a red flag, to be honest, of a guy. If you want to build a winning team, you want guys that are willing to go and do whatever it takes and do what's asked of them for the collective group in that clubhouse. And Eloy, the, the whole world's going to be looking at him and watching how he responds to this. And the easiest thing that the White Sox can do is to throw him a bone once or twice a week and just fucking just grin and <laughs> just pray that he doesn't die uh, or, or, or hurt himself out there on the field. Uh, by doing something, getting impaled on a foul pole, or I don't know, accidentally falling into Beef Loaf's lap, and you know, my sock summer spills his nachos all over him, and he gets like third degree burns or something. I don't know, something. And and he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to own it though. He's gonna have to be a, a professional. Terrible, terrible Eloy, arm too. There's, there's no problems at home with Eloy. He loves his mother. Green flag in my book. Good man. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Eli, Eli's demeanor sometimes in the outfield reminds me of like the kids who are at the home run derbies. Happy go lucky, and then they try to make a play, and then they get hurt. That's what we don't see in the All Star game is if the camera pans away, but they're 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 peeling kids off the field left and right with some of those piss missiles. Kids like I got it, oh, there goes his front teeth. Awesome, get him off the field. Let's go scoop him up. Next guy using those Goldilocks balls, getting ripped at one hundred and twenty miles per hour. 
Um, one last thing to address here. I'll toss uh, Cubs fans still listening along a bone here. Some Cubs free agent rumors. And Kevin, your guy, I know I dismissed it a couple weeks ago, but his name, it keeps popping up. Andrew Chafin. So the Cubs needed left-handed relievers. They have basically one guy on like the, uh, who's a guaranteed bullpen guy being a lefty in Brandon Hughes. Um, they only signed, they signed, so they've, they've signed eight uh, free agents this offseason to MLB contracts, but only one reliever so far in Brad Boxberger. Again, they need they need more depth from the left side. They're Patrick Mooning the Athletic wrote on Wednesday morning about you know, the Cubs need to address that. Apparently, there's a group of five lefties that they could be targeting. Andrew Chafin, you know, Cubs fans know, fell in love with back in 2020, 2021. Uh, there's also Zach Britton, Brad Hand, Caleb Smith, and who was the fifth guy? Damn. Oh, Matt Moore, who I think we discussed him a couple of weeks ago uh, as a possible Sox target. Uh, so, Kevin, Andrew Chafin, how much are you paying him? Oh, first off, I would like to uh, – I'm going to go ahead and give Chase and Shreve a big old punch in the nuts, by the way. He's done <laughs> with the Tigers. Boo! Division rival. He took Andrew Chafin's job. He took his job. So, sorry. I just want to throw that out there that I just actually texted him angrily because – I forgot to even like check, and yeah, he's he's signed with the Tigers. Um, shit. Um, but uh, good for him. I'm happy. But Chafin, man, I'm I'm a god dang the sheriff. I want the sheriff back so bad. Um, it, this team is already a fun team. The Cubs are already a blast. I mean, you're gonna have Cody Bellinger out there. I mean, these guys, you know, this is a fun group already. You're starting to see some of this is gonna be great. And you throw in the sheriff. You throw in a guy that can go out there and get outs from the left side in the bullpen. A guy that really has a fuck it mentality, which I love. Uh, and meaningful baseball, Andrew Chafin is fun to watch because he just doesn't get flustered because he's just a big old hoss out there. He just haven't. He's just there. He's a sheriff. He closes the door. He he locks the cell. He, you know, and you know we 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 joked about it because I mean he was one of my favorite. He's been one of my favorite Cubs players over the last like you know couple years, uh, four or five years. Like seriously, incredibly funny and fun and 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 really well spoken of by people. You know, he's a good guy. Um, a little farmer, a little farmer loves his John Deere, right? His little tractor. Um, but, uh, you know, he helps the Cubs. He's familiar with everything. He understands what, what Chicago is. And again, we're talking about the Cubs putting together a decent, but not great product. You know, if you're going to make these baby steps and you're going to, you know, you're going to push towards eventually being contender again. Um, and this season's kind of like a, a tweener that kind of signing residual, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it has a, um, a reverb on both the, on the field product, but also in the fan, a morale department. And he, he, he does serve a double purpose. He, again, you guys know, I've been really pessimistic over the last like year and a half or, you know, two years since, you know, everything with the trade fire sale and everything. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm already kind of in on this team. I'm, I'm stoked. You know, I'm, I'm optimistic, especially after the Mancini move, but you throw in a sheriff and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be like a girl at a Beatles concert at a Hanson concert at a, at a, at a Justin Bieber show. I'm going to be front row just screaming sheriff and the memes and the fun and just it, it it it's a game changer for the Cubs as far as again, fan morale matters. You know, if you're going to if you're going to tween us, Holy sign man. the guy to a two-year deal with a one-year option and throw him out there and let, let's let's make it entertaining. At least right, make at least at least sign a fun guy that you know yep. you, you want to root for. Yeah, yeah. 
I want a guy uh, that literally has made a guy that literally told me on a post. Like Trey Mancini, Mitch. Smokely. Uh, you know what? You get him and you get him and Bellinger together too. They probably have some dank weed. Uh, uh, those so out of those five names, I mean, I, four out of the five have been just studs, uh, relievers. Mm-hmm. Caleb Smith yep. more recently has had some success as a reliever with the the, the Diamondbacks. Um, but I mean, uh, Matt Moore, I didn't realize how fucking amazing he was with the Rangers, uh, sh- like striking out like 10 guys per nine innings. I think he had, had a sub two ERA, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, like at one point, like five in the 1.5s, I think. You know, Matt Moore was uh, incredible. Uh, the other thing, the the conversation that was uh, with this is the Cubs are at about, I think I saw around $227 million luxury luxury tax payroll. So, you know, that includes the the money they have to send for uh, the other, like the funds that everything else that, in, that is included in the payroll every year for every single team. Um. So they're about what six, seven million dollars shy of that first threshold of the luxury tax. The question is like, what do the Cubs go over it? We've been over this, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck cares? Because next year it's it's gonna be like close to a hundred million dollars that are just gonna it's gonna disappear. All off, yep. So it's so, so it's 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 gonna be rare that they're gonna go over the luxury tax back to back years. Mm-hmm. So probably gonna avoid that penalty. Um Chafin is probably the top guy right now, uh, just because of his longer track record of of success. Yeah, you so got him, Wilson, it'll be interesting Wilson. at what level at what level they go to if they do uh, pick up another lefty. Mm-hmm. And again, you know the Cubs are all about that entertainment. And uh, I mean, I'm not the only one that's been begging for the sheriff. I mean, obvious shirts, who's got a lot more clout than me in the Cubs universe, has been making. He's been doing a, a fake shirt a day. Uh, about you know signing uh signing Andrew Chafin. If you go to their page, it's absolutely hilarious. Like I think he had one. It was like Saturdays for signing with the Cubs, like a shirt that you know he puts on these fake graphics. And it's the it's the shot it's the Photoshop that we all did when he was taking off the sunglasses when he was playing for yeah. the Cubs with that you know and and then uh you know you put a big ball of fire behind him an explosion because he just looked like MacGyver for Pete's sake. He's just cool and he just keeps changing it out. We're, I mean I've, if there's anything we've been wooing. Uh, Andrew, I mean, he's 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 feeling love, even if he hasn't been responding to it on social media. And I, I, I mean, Cub fandom, it it would it would be a move that would be lauded, and it would add to just a, a what what could easily be like a, you know a, a lower expectation kind of season. It makes it just again. You want to if we're if we're going to struggle, you know, yeah, I always say it as a coach too. If I'm going to you know I'm going to make a roster, I want to make a roster that I can enjoy losing with. You know what I mean? Same with the Cubs. If the Cubs are going to not be great, I want to, to at least be a team where we're like, I want these guys to win so bad I can taste it just because they're awesome. Like these guys are fun. They enjoy the game. And it's, it's you know, and, and teams like that can and have caught lighting in a bottle. And, you know, then you get to the all-star break and they're, they're kind of still in it. Maybe you make a couple moves and, you know, but the, the juju, the positivity, the fun, you know, it's, it's play ball, not work ball. All that stuff just plays right into it. And, it, it, you know, you want... You want a guy like that around. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, there's other arms out there too, obviously. But I think that Cub fans would be almost slightly disappointed at this point if it's not Andrew Chafin. And I think that's great for his negotiating leverage too. Let I would say if, because I think I, I, out of the options, I think he's going to, you know, cost the more cost the most. But if the Cubs go to a different route, you know, try to stay under the luxury tax, which again, that we can debate that. Does it really matter? 
but I'd be ecstatic if they bring in Zach Britton. I know he's coming off Tommy John. He had Tommy John in 2021, came back at the end of 2022 with the Yankees, only pitched in three games. Mm-hmm. But if you can get him back, like on an incentive-laced contract, like that dude was still dominating with the Yankees. Ground ball machine. He's a, he is a little older. I think he'll be like 35 in, uh, this season. But if they get if they get Zach Britton, I'd be fully on board with that move. I think uh, again, our, again, Chafin would love that too. Obviously, both those guys, especially with Zach Britton, as long as he's not your closer, then I think that's a very solid seventh, eighth inning type guy. Uh, yeah. But like the decline's been real since he was an elite closer with Baltimore. But like, I, I think that's a solid pickup. I'd probably still be on the Chafin bad wagon just for the branding purposes. Cause I don't think the Cubs really expect to be like contenders as it is. I think they're going to be a frisky and fun wild card fringe team and Chafin fits that. Well, it's good for season tickets. Good for morale makes it a fun team to root for. Uh, so yeah, you can't really go wrong with either of them. Matt Moore makes the most sense. If you're trying, if you actually are like serious fucking like that, that'd be the guy that would probably be the top of the that dude was team. nasty. Yeah. So, I did not I, realize how one of the best relievers. No one knows about. Yeah. How amazing he was. Um, Ooh, you know what? Let, we're talking about if we think they're, they're going to be competitors, Matt, let's, cause I don't think these numbers are out yet. Let, let's try to guess. The, the win total for the Cubs and White Sox. What do you think it's going to be set at for 2023? How many did the Cubs have last year? The Cubs last year, they won 74. Okay. I bet I remember that the line was exactly 74 and a half on FanDuel. Knee-jerk was going to be 78 for the Cubs, but I think they it's higher. Are we guessing what the projection will be or what we think it will be? What you think like the line's going to be in Vegas or like out of the most of the sports okay. books. 79 and a half for the Cubs. Okay, Kevin. Um, I think the over-under, I think the Cubs will be probably sitting at 76 or 77. I think they're going to try and pull a lot of overbets. Um, and the more overbets, it'll they'll obviously they they adjust. I think they'll adjust, but I think 76 or 77 is going to get you a nice balance both sides of that. And I think remember these guys, they're gonna they're not just picking what they really think the wins and losses are gonna be. The books are gonna be picking what they think they can get the most action on both sides of the number. As possible, so the yeah. Cubs were heading into 2021 were sh- were shit. I, again, we're talking about Frank Schwindel being the starting first baseman, <laughs> Rafael Ortega, nice. Michael Hermosillo, uh, and others uh, being starting outfielders, and they're they had the win totals like in the mid 70s. So I think they're going to be this year with all the big moves. I think they can still get plenty of the overbets if the if the line's like at eight and a, eighty and a half. Dear Lord, it's like oh, do you think they're going to be a five hundred team? The Cubs' odds to win the World Series are equal to <clears throat> the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, they're right in that lower lower half that of the NL. Seems a little bit ridiculous because the Diamondbacks in that division, yeah. like very little. At least the Cubs, I can see making the playoffs. The Diamondbacks, gee. I, mm. I mean, not much better than the Marlins, even, and or the Tigers. <laughs> now, that's but, surprising. Yeah. Let's see what the over Cubs wins. I mean, they don't yeah, have Marlins made Marlins make them. They got Luis Arise, Arise, Arise. Over yeah, under Cubs. I'm so happy as a Sox fan that happened. That man was a Sox. Here we go. <laughs> got it from from my my one of my favorite betting websites that does like all of the different ones. The Cubs 2023 win total according to this. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this is this has got to be. This is not updated. This can't be. This can't be. Okay, Monday, August fifteenth. Okay, okay, good. This is not correct. All right, okay. Whew, it got me there. Hold on. That was before uh, they got Trey Mancini. Damn it. He's the glue guy. All right, here we go. Cubs, according to the lines, the Cubs are... No, okay, it was right. Actually, okay, never mind. 75 and a half wins is what it's sitting at right now for the Cubs. Over Really? Yep. yep. So I did read that right. It, I was it, reading it correctly. I was I, I, just, I was I, thinking... Yo, no, you hit it on the head like because they got a bet where... They, they got to set the line where people are going to bet both sides. Yeah. 75 and a half. 75 and a half. Dodgers are 98 and a half. Uh, Brewers, 89 and a half. Mets, 88 and a half. What are the Pirates at? 65.5. Okay. So I saw that, some guy. I saw some guy on Pirates. I saw some guy on Pirates Twitter who I don't know what the hell he was reading, claiming that the Pirates' uh, win total was like in the eighties. I was like, no, what? Pirates, <laughs> Pirates' win total is yeah, the lowest. Fun sixty-five loss t- or however many like. Yeah, O'Neill Cruz is gonna be amazing. They, they got a fun lineup, especially with McCutcheon back. Like that'll be at least a, if you're gonna do a rebuild or whatever. At least that's a team that I would pay money to see. Yeah, Pirates are the lowest win total projection in in baseball at 65 and a half. Diamondbacks at 67 and a half. Uh, oh no, excuse me. I'm sorry. The Orioles are at 62 and a half. Excuse me. Sorry. I, what? I, yeah, Orioles at 62 and a half. There's no uh, way these are updated. This seems from last year. Let's see. Let's see what uh, the lines have. Mrs. January 19th, 2023. Man. Uh, the can effect. Lowest Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, they have the Orioles 62 and 62.5. And so it goes Orioles, Pirates, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Athletics, Nats, Rangers, Reds, Royals, and Cubs. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, the Cubs are 71 and 91. So they're saying the Cubs are going to be four and a half games better despite losing their best offensive player and not actually adding the offense to make up for the loss other than maybe Cody Bellinger finding it again, you know? So it, it makes sense. I mean, that does say that the, they believe the Cubs have gotten better. I mean, if you think that they're going to win four and a half more games than the previous year. So I have right here Orioles win total 77 and a half for 2023. Hmm. I'm on the lines.com. It says updated January 19th, 2023. The, I, I mean, I'm just thinking back. That just seems like last year's number, but that's fine. We'll obviously we'll see. We'll get more into that. During spring training. See, I hear on this one another. This is Odd Shark. Odd Shark has it. This is January 17th, 2023. Odd Sharks have the Cubs projected to win 74 and a half games. That just, and, again, that <laughs> there's, yeah, so I just can't. <laughs> you don't have the Orioles. They have the Orioles at 62 and a half wins. Yeah, no, the, those seem like last year's number. I don't know, man. That that just I, doesn't you got seem. The whole thing about it, you got the Yankees in that division. They'll be good. Tampa Bay's always tough. Boston. Balance schedule, though. Tough. Remember that they're not, it's yeah. not as yeah, division heavy this true. year. And everybody the same amount, right? Yeah. So here we go. Maybe this is it. This is 20. This is betting pros. Betting pros has the Cubs. Where to go? Cubs at 77.5 wins. Again, pretty close to what I was thinking. So that, yeah. So that team is more, uh, Closer to what I'm thinking, but who knows? Maybe we're wrong. But what do they got the Orioles at? Um, I mean, I'm a sucker. I bet them over last year by one fucking. I, I did too. Um, <laughs> Mitch, Where's do you have an NASCAR minute? Uh, not really. 77. No pressure if you don't. I'll edit that out. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, hey, look, Daytona is two weeks away. Or the start of the season's two weeks away. 
It's the 75th season of NASCAR. This is a big one. It's a big one. So stay tuned. It's a big NASCAR minute year coming up. Okay, okay. So you don't want to do the NASCAR minute without Zoe, without Zoe being here. That's why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I should have come up with a trivia game. AJ Allmendinger. <laughs> AJ Allmendinger, here's your hot take. You want a NASCAR bet with some good odds. AJ Allmendinger to make the playoffs this year. Okay. Coming from the Xfinity series, veteran driver, BJ McLeod did not win a race, but that'll be like minus like 2,000. <laughs> so you'll win like nothing from that. Uh, yeah, AJ Allmendinger, I think, is making the playoffs. All right, there you go. Ooh. Little insider tip. Boom. Guys, right any now. final thoughts? Uh, you know, um, just I know uh, we might not have touched on it on this show, but uh, just wanted to say again, uh, rest in peace to Lynn Bramer um, and, and, and thoughts out to his family on his, on his passing, a, a well-known Chicago voice uh, in the community. And, uh, you know, he, he lost his batter with prostate cancer this past week. And, and so I uh, just wanted to throw that out there that, uh, rest, you know, thoughts and prayers are out to his family and, and a hell of a guy. He impacted a lot of lives and, and was everybody's best friend. And it was a tough, tough, tough moment for everybody here in town or there in town. So. Mitch? Uh, hopefully Nikki next Lopez? week is better as a Sox fan because this week didn't offer a whole lot of good news. So, I mean, I think we've hit, I would imagine we've hit rock bottom. I can only go up from here. Oh, but, you careful. know, only the White Sox to find a way to stoop even lower. So, I was going to say, hard. like, oh. I was going to say, you can only go up, but man. going <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> find someone's the Zodiac killer. So for Kevin, for Mitch, I'm Aldo. Hopefully we'll get uh, Zoe back at close to 100% or at 100% next week. Um, for everyone listening, watching, subscribe, YouTube, get to 1,000 before opening day, two free White Sox tickets be behind their dugout, share with your friends and family. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform. But until next week, see you guys later. This Padres pitch is shitting bricks right now. Why? Because Danny fucking Burgess is up and back. Guy just started Shake Shack straight to the dugout. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantees or the whole league that we here now. New show with a new move. Discussions and interviews, trade rumors that might be. This is pinwheels and knife. Yeah, this is what you waiting for. Yeah, you can put it on a boy. Yeah, every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for. Yeah, you can put it on a boy. Yeah, every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. Put it on a